Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Listen With Your Ear. This episode, I actually want to start with a quote from Anthony Bourdain. So it goes like this. Travel changes you. As you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small. And in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. And today I'm with uh, one of my closest friends and a big fan of Anthony Bourdain. His name is Bradley Black. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So I guess we're going to start this episode like we start every episode. And you're not going to hear it because you don't have the headphones, but it's going to play the intro music. That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. All right, man, this is going to be a a fun episode. I know that for sure because, well, hopefully we'll have enough time to cover everything that we want to discuss, but hopefully we're going to discuss first a couple of countries that we would like to visit in the future, hopefully together. And the other thing is, you know, just to discuss some, some of our past travels or memories and maybe discuss some of the things that we learned from those experiences. So... Without further ado, do you want to hop right in and get right into the to the countries? Yeah. So today, uh, yeah, you're not going to be talking about three countries that we both want to visit in the future. No order on these countries. Just in general, three countries that we just find really interesting that we would want to travel to in the future. Hopefully, when COVID is not a thing anymore, when you know it doesn't exist. So we're gonna go one by one, and I'm gonna let the year start. So I'm gonna ask him, you know, which country do you want to visit when everything is done well i think i i have a very strong feeling that you have the same country as me or i guess not even a country but um hong kong yeah um i don't know do you do you have something you want to share first about it or do you want me to get right into it yeah um so that's one of my countries too i'm going to be honest but you know i feel like even though we have the same country we're going to be saying different things about it for sure so I'll let you start off and say, you know, exactly why Hong Kong. Yeah, so I guess you have a different perspective than I do because you've done a lot of research. Your your grandparents lived there. Your mother was born there, correct? And I have a different perspective because I, I worked for people from Hong Kong, so I'm, I was always like kind of familiar with that culture. Um, and also I had the opportunity to go there in 2019. 2019 was... It's an interesting summer because that was the summer that um, that they had the major protests and stuff. How was that? It was honestly one of the most interesting experiences of my life. But, you know, there were protests and all, but you, you don't really... I mean, you do feel it. it. They happen mostly on the weekends and at night. And, I mean... Why do they only happen on, like, the weekends and night and not, let's say, during the week? Well, I think I guess because people have jobs and, um, you know, when you're in the city, life moves on. So if you were to not know that there were protests going on, you could just like spend as much time as I did there and not really realize much is going on. And 
other than those few hours where there were like let's say uh street closures or one saturday night we were out with the family and we did uh we felt the tear gas and all that and you felt it like yeah like how, how bad was it um i mean it was bad enough for us to know that i think our like throat started hurting and it was enough for us to know that it was time to to move back to you know go back to our hotel yeah um but yeah what do i have to say about hong kong there's so much to say it's like for me i think i really do think it's one of the coolest places on earth it's yeah it's really like um it's another planet to be honest it's it's like it's its own little world um it's it's very full of life it's like very lively place um there's that hustle and bustle but you also have like extremely serene and and calm and quiet places too which i really appreciate and just going back to it maybe for context of people listening why exactly were like the protest happening so from what i understand there was like um i i'm i'm sorry to all the listeners that might be getting this wrong <laughs> to all five listeners maybe won't be able to air this depending on what you hear is going to say yeah i i think it's fine i think it was just that yeah it might ban me from china but <laughs> i think um i think china wanted to I forgot what's the right word, like expedite. Like, let's say you commit a crime. Extradite, I think. Extradite, maybe, yeah. yeah. Could be that. Yeah. So if you commit a crime in Hong Kong, it's like you could be punished in mainland China, something like, something to that extent. And, um, yeah, the, the people were not happy about that at all because, as a lot of you know, Hong Kong uh, operates in a... Um, I don't want to say imaginary, but in a somewhat democratic um, fashion. It's quote-unquote democratic. Um, you know, China, of course, they they put in whoever they want to put in as politicians in China, in Hong Kong. But um, yeah, they, they operate on a, on a definitely a different kind of um, government and different criminal system, whatever you want to call it, than um, mainland China. So if you, yeah, that's... From what I understand, the reason. Yeah, there's um, it's also known as the umbrella protest too, which I'm sure like you saw while you were there. Yeah, um, definitely a lot of people with umbrellas, and uh, funny thing is that in many parts of Asia, like especially Japan and stuff, just throwing this out there, like people use umbrellas um every day, whether it's raining or not, just because of the sun. That's also just an interesting fact right there. Um. Yeah, in Hong Kong. What else is there to say? It's like, I would imagine if we did it together, I would do it. We would do it on a very different, in a very different fashion than I did it with my parents. Um, with my parents, I was fortunate enough to stay at nice hotels. And you're saying with me, you're going to be staying at bad hotels? Well, I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thing is, like, I don't even see that in a bad way. It's like, I think it would be amazing for us to stay at like the the worst some of the bad hotels. <laughs> What's like, that? Like Chongqing Mansion, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, have the like the cheapest meals and just like rough it out in Hong Kong is like I really would like to see that side of it because you could have that like really Western, classy, upscale experience in Hong Kong. There are there are like are all those options and all those amenities that you could ever want in Hong Kong. Um, but you could really rough it out. You could leave those main um, business districts or whatever you want to call them, fancy areas, and and do like a real nice deep dive into 
into that, you know, like I was saying, it's like another planet. It's like you could explore so much. Um, yeah. And what was it like when you traveled there with your family? Like, so what did you guys do? Well, we try to see as much as the island of, it's not one island, it's many islands, but we tried to see as much as possible. We went to um, Lantau Island. Um, you know, we spent some time in Kowloon and Hong Kong Island. Um, we even visited the new territories. Uh, we really try to see all the main attractions. Um, there were some days where I took some some walks by myself. You know, I love to do that in every city that I go to, even if I'm with friends or or whatever. I like to take a day to myself, explore the city, take my time, um, try to go to the areas that are you know less That's visited easy, by yeah. by foreigners. And by tourists and really try to see low how key areas yeah low-key areas see how people live um because that's what's really fascinating oh also like a random thing i was in deep into hong kong in kowloon it's like kowloon is considered kind of the grittier part i think of hong kong and i was going deep in there and and um I was like, just went in, it was like super hot, as you know. You're by yourself? Yeah, I was by myself. Um, you know, I just wanted to, to check out Kowloon, some of the more local areas. And I pull out like a, I pull out my money to, to pay for a soda or something. I It was very, very hot and I wanted a drink. And the guy was like, oh, you're from Canada? I was like, how do you know? And and he's like, oh, I saw your, your $20 bill or something, your Canadian money. And he's like, yeah, I, I grew up in like in Vancouver or something. So that's also really. I grew up in Vancouver. Yeah, so, okay. it's like really interesting thing about Hong Kong is I think it's the city or the place outside of the U.S. that has the most Canadian citizens. There might be like, oh, I I don't want to get the number wrong, but it might be in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Or like a hundred thousand Canadians, maybe four hundred thousand. So, maybe I'm super off, but tons and tons yeah. of Canadian citizens in Hong Kong. It's just a very interesting fact. For context, too, there's a lot of um, people from Hong Kong that live in Vancouver. So that's just, yeah, a lot of people maybe have, I'm not sure if they have, but they probably do dual citizenship so they could live in Hong Kong and Vancouver. They're cities that are pretty close together. I mean, they're not super close. You know, they still have the entire ocean uh, separating them, but relatively closer, let's say, from Hong Kong to Vancouver than going from, let's say, Hong Kong to, you know, New York or, let's say, the east coast of Canada. Yeah, we also did meet um, another person who, who was like, also a Canadian citizen, but he's been there like one time, and it was because he has like property in, in Toronto or something, and it makes sense because these people do have money, and not all the time, but um, Hong Kong is known to have you know a large proportion of billionaires, yeah, and um, you know they want to protect their assets, so investing in Canada. In Canada is something that's uh, that's a very popular thing to do over there. Property mainly. Yeah, exactly. Vancouver has some of the most expensive uh, housing around the world. I think some websites will put it at top ten most expensive places for property, and Hong Kong is usually a number one in any of these lists that you look at too. Yeah, exactly. It's infamous for for expensive uh, housing. Um, so. What's the main thing that's attracting you to Hong Kong? Well, I want to ask first to you, like, if you went back to Hong Kong, uh, what are, like, the next three places you'd visit on the island? 
Wow. Um, the thing is, like, I haven't really done that kind of research as to what specific places I would like to visit. Um, that's a tough one. I guess th I know that there's like some um, old villages that are you That'd know cool. low key going extinct because like they get torn down and uh, you know turned into high rise high rises. So maybe check out those kind of villages that are still around. Yep. So a lot of Hong Kong before it was like what it was today. Some context. It used to be a lot of different clans or like a lot of different small villages that were all about fishing. So that's why some of these old villages that used to, uh, you know, be their own families, their clans, and they're involved in fishing. Some of them you can still find in Hong Kong today that are super old, you know, super far. Some of them from like, you know, the main areas. So they're really cool to explore and figure out or explore and learn about the more of the culture of Hong Kong, the older culture, not the newer one. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like kind of what I was saying. Um, like one of the things I was saying before is like, you do have that option to like really do a deep dive into Hong Kong culture because it is such a, um, you know, some people might go there and be like, ah, it's, it's so westernized. It's so, but you know, just, just leave those main areas and you'll see how not westernized it is. Like, That's true. Um, it's, it's a very fascinating place. Um, probably one of the coolest places ever yeah. I've ever been to in my well, life. That's that something. And, I guess like for uh, for the foodies listening, you know, if you like food and you're listening to this, maybe yeah, you'll be able to answer this next question. But what was like the best meal you had in uh, Hong Kong? <laughs> I know you have a that's place a, in mind. No, that's a very funny question. Um, yeah, because like a lot of the, like I said, we were staying at nice hotels, right? Yeah. So I don't know if I'm qualified to answer this because it's all like um, your own a opinion. lot of my meals... Yeah, I know, but a lot of my meals were taking place at the hotels. You know, it's like we had like a lot of buffets and, and you know stuff like that. So like, so say the buffet. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. But it's like, I guess I didn't really. I had the chance, but I I just wasn't so. Um, in general, I'm not an adventurous eater. Like, take it as it is. I think it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's up to you. Um, yeah, I don't think I really like made my went out of my way to like try something crazy or or local. It's something I would like to do next time I'm there. But yeah, that time around it just uh, kind of kept it simple. And you know, sometimes I went to like a like a boring is like super boring, but like fruit and vegetable market. Like picked up some like, cool, fruits and stuff. And yeah, it's like that's why. Like, what was this vegetable market like? Um. Well, I guess it's it's just like a typical market that outdoors. you would find anywhere in the world. It's outdoors, but like there was like um uh like a covering. Yeah, it's, it's nothing too special. Like for me, it's exciting because in Canada, we don't have uh markets like that. But let's say for Not too many at least. Yeah, exactly. Like you do have farmers markets and stuff, but um yeah, let's say if you're from the Middle East or somewhere that does have markets might not be so exciting for you, but I thought it was very cool. Like you see a lot of, uh, things that you've never seen before and stuff like that. It's, it's just, a it's a cool environment. That's for sure. Do you remember like, uh, anything you ate at least like maybe just, you had to try noodles, you know, at least while there, I mean, maybe you didn't, but yeah, like, like I'm saying is like all the meals that I had were yeah. like already, that's okay. Planned beforehand, yeah. you know, it's not like I was, uh, we weren't like going out and about 
to like try different foods. It was more like, you know, we started our day. We, we yeah, we just had what was available to us. We didn't like go and like I, yeah. like I was saying, it was like we didn't go out and adventure to to have food. But are there? I'm sure, like since you're asking all these questions about food, you must. It's definitely on your mind. So, what are are there some things that you would like to try uh, in Hong Kong? Um. Hmm. I don't think I have a place in mind, but you know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos on traveling, and there's this one place that has like these like fish balls, like uh, they're like these fried fish balls basically, and they look really good. But Hong Kong is known to be one of the best cities in the world for foodies and just for food in general because it's so densely populated with so many different restaurants to try. There's like an abundance of everything. I wouldn't say I'm the biggest foodie myself, but you know, I like to try new things. I always like to try. New foods when they come to me, I'm not really afraid to eat new things too. So I'm excited uh, for the future. Yeah, um, if you're if you're adventurous like that, like Hong Kong is is a perfect place for you. Um, yeah, and what else? Um, we discussed a little bit about Kowloon, uh, Hong Kong Island. That's somewhere where it's just like incredibly modern, um, very trendy areas over there. Um, something that's cool that I would like to experience in Hong Kong, um, maybe like I've I've witnessed it, but I think it would be cool if we saw this together. Is um, on Sundays. I'm sure you know Sundays like a it's a special day in in Hong Kong. Very special day. It's like yeah, it the the city actually, sorry, it like completely changes like the way it looks, everything. All of a sudden, the the whole city becomes like. Full, full, full of like Filipino and Indonesian. Um, I don't know what you call them, like domestic workers or cleaning ladies, you know, stuff like that. That's their day off. They have that sp- special day off. So it's like, um, it's like all of a sudden you see Hong Kong is like full of like ladies with uh, with like head coverings because like Indonesian are, are Muslim ladies. So um, it's a Muslim country. So you see like the streets of Hong Kong full of ladies with like uh, burkas or whatever you call them, like the head head covering. Head scarves, yeah. Yeah, and um, everyone's like having picnics, and and it just become the whole city becomes very different, and it, it's uh it's cool to see, and yeah, it's like I I keep saying it because it's true. It's like one of the most special places I've ever ever visited. Yeah. It, it was like it's my first, it was my introduction to Asia. It was the first Asian city I ever visited, um, so. Yeah, it was just such a such a nice experience for me. Must have been cool that being your first ever you said Asian city you've been to. Yeah, like, I think it was like the perfect um perfect introduction to Asia. Yeah, be careful with this. Yeah. Good cut that part. Um yeah, so I'm sure you have a lot to say about Hong Kong. A lot to say. I'm I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. I I think I covered basically most of what I had to cover, and uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, from what you said before, my um, my mom well and my aunt were both born in Hong Kong. My mom lived there for about eight years um, before she moved to Canada. So, for some context, my grandparents were born in Canada. But for business reasons, they went to Hong Kong. So this is more of a, I'm not a history major, so this might be a bit of history, just, you know, some context, because I, I find culture and history go together hand in hand. So I guess I might as well say this. So as I was saying before, Hong Kong used to be like a fishing 
fishing village. Well, you know, a lot of fishermen lived there until, you know, the British took over. They went to war with China, the opium wars. And then it became part of England. It became part of uh, British territory. And because of that, there's, um, you know, a lot of business was thriving there. So there was a place for business for many, many years, like um, even seven, even like more recent times, the 70s, 80s. Uh, it was still a thriving place with skyscrapers and it's only until you know recently it's still its own place but only until recently it kind of became uh, you know china again is more taking over it kind of controlling it um this is more recent but again it used to be and also you have the nearby cities like shenzhen that are i believe even now maybe producing more money than hong kong itself it could be like the nearby uh, yeah it's nearby gdp places. surpassed yeah. uh, that of hong kong exactly so you know like you have the nearby cities to even you know surpassing it but hong kong it's always gonna be different because it was you know part of the british and the, you still have that british influence there today and so back to um, the backstory of what i was saying before my uh, grandfather did a lot of business there so that a lot of business there and uh you know textiles Textile, yeah. so he was basically doing, I guess you could say, arbitrage, where he was getting it from, you know, Asia and Hong Kong, and then he would sell it back to the Canada and, you know, different parts of Canada. I'm not sure about the U.S., maybe, but it was a big business, and it wasn't just him. Many people were doing it, but could be one of the maybe first people that, you know, maybe, or someone at least that took a, a you know, big part in it. Could you explain arbitrage? Arbitrage? Oh, yeah, because arbitrage is basically buying something for it's basically business you're buying something for cheaper at one place and you're selling it for more at another place that's what arbitrage is because you know he wasn't the one that was making the textiles he was more just buying it maybe from different places um and then selling it back in canada for to make a profit and that's business today a lot of people do arbitrage you know like maybe people that are buying concert tickets for cheap and then selling it for higher buy low um, sell high exactly so uh again it's a, it's a big thing and because of that, he lived in Hong Kong for at least over 10 years. Yeah, for sure, more than 10 years. He even knew, you know, some Cantonese, like he would uh, talk Cantonese with some of the people there. And a funny story, actually, one time they went to a restaurant in, in Hong Kong. My grandfather, he's a, he was a, he's a pretty big guy. Like he has a belly. I mean, he's not alive anymore, rest in peace, but he's a pretty, he was a pretty big guy. So one time they went to a restaurant and in Cantonese, they were, you know, saying stuff about him, saying that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a big, saying it. <laughs> In his words, they're saying that he's a, quote, big boy, finished quote. Like, that's what they were saying. He's a big guy. And he caught them off guard and he responded to them saying, you, do you actually think I'm like that? Or he said something in Cantonese to them, you know, catching them off guard because he knew what they were saying. And they were super, you know, shocked from it. That's a funny story that he's always told me. Many uh, stories from, from Hong Kong. And yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, someone who's uh, inspired me to want to travel there. Yeah, so for you, it's it's like... It's not just going um, on a simple vacation and it is it is a vacation, of course, but it's also like you're going to be walking the same place where where your grandparents like once walked and that's yeah. it. It's like My mom, it's, too. Yeah it's, Aunt, yeah, it's a very, very cool thing. It's like you have um, you have those kind of ties to to that uh, territory, country, whatever or city, whatever you want to call it. It's fascinating. Um it's nice when you have, when you have, you know, an emotional attachment to, uh, to a place. Yeah, that's true. And like Hong Kong in general, I think definitely is, um, a place that's always going to be attached to me. I have, uh, pictures there that my grandparents took in like the seventies and the eighties, like, and this is a long time ago, like Hong Kong in the seventies and eighties is, 
you know, nothing like it's like today. Like these are pictures that, you know, you would have someone post on like, uh, you know, Pinterest or something mm-hmm. to show like the aesthetic of it. Cause it's right. super cool, especially back then, you know, it's not like we had our iPhones to take pictures of everything. So these are, you know, nice pictures of my, my family when they were super young. Um, so my mom was born in Hong Kong, but at seven or eight, she moved to Canada and then they went back, I believe again, just to visit for like maybe two or three weeks until they went, you know, they went back to Canada, but you know, after age, she never actually moved back to Hong Kong. After that was just uh, living in Canada, but still like living eight years of your life in a different country and then moving to Canada. It's obviously, it's a big change, but at least in Hong Kong, they, they speak English. So that's something else too. Right. And, and growing up at that time must've been really interesting too, because they say that, um, they say Hong Kong is becoming less and less, uh, authentic i guess you could say um back in the day they had their they had all the you know the neon signs and oh yeah that's true yeah slowly but slowly they say hong kong is uh you know it's changing yep um yeah i hope it doesn't ever become just uh i don't think it ever will but i hope it doesn't just become like ever any other um Chinese city. I don't think it will be. It, it just can't. It's it's too unique. Hong Kong unique. is something. It's too unique. Like yeah, the history, too unique the culture. To change. I hope they still, you know, have their currency. <laughs> yeah. And their language. The China is uh, unfortunately they are trying to, uh, you know, across the country they're trying to kill die out. You know, they want other languages to kind of die out. You know, the the children are only learning Mandarin um in schools the the tv channels are only having mandarin you know i i was shocked that when i was um at the airport or when we landed usually they do the landing like when we landed in hong kong with my family usually they say something in english and then they say something in the native language right um uh the weather in hong kong today is welcome to hong kong um and they did it in Mandarin. And I was like, what? I was expecting like Cantonese and they did it in Mandarin. And, and then I asked, like, when I got back, I asked my coworker who, you know, my ex coworker who uh, is a Hong Kong native. And I was like, what, what was up with that? Why? I think even in the metro, in the, not in the metro, but maybe in the public transportation or something. Yeah. Like when you, I took the train. It's like you took a train in the airport. It was like also there. The announcement was like in Mandarin. I was like, what's up with that? It's like Mandarin is not the Hong Kong's language. It's like, oh, well, that's the official language. It's it's China. So official language in China is Mandarin. How did you know that it was um, myself? I don't know the difference too well. Like, how do you know it was Mandarin and not Cantonese? Yeah. So as someone who is... um, very familiar with the sound not (laughs) i don't know i know words of cantonese i know whatever but as someone who knows the sound of both languages i worked with people who spoke both um it's very very different sounding and um yeah i'm I'm not going to do an impression because it's very offensive but um one sounds like more i guess bouncy and the other one is i don't know it's just hard to explain but when you hear both of them you could tell right away uh, that they're they're both very different languages in sound at least maybe yep. I think in writing it's the same but in sound it's uh, totally totally different um, yeah so Hong Kong anything else you have to, uh, you have to add about that I could probably go on for hours talking about Hong Kong for sure yeah I'm, I'm um, here to listen yeah so 
like uh, back in the 80s too, when you looked across, you know, the, the new territories, you had Shenzhen and a lot of these new cities, they weren't there, they didn't exist. So I have like pictures, well, pictures from my, my grandparents of, you know, across like the, the water, looking into China, and there's like nothing there. It's like, you know, maybe just starting off, but it's like nothing. And then you look today at, uh, you know, right across from the border, and you see one of the tallest towers in the entire world, the Pingyang Financial Center, one of the tallest towers in the world. And back then, you know, like there's nothing there. And this is like, you know, the 70s and 80s. So it's just crazy, you know, how much is, has happened since. Um, I could probably, like I said, go on for hours about Hong Kong, and I hope to go there myself in the future. You know, I want to follow the footsteps of my grandparents and parents and, you know, experience it for myself because, like I said, I grew up hearing so many stories about it. Probably the reason, one of the reasons for my passion of traveling probably comes from them too because, you know, they, again, always tell me these stories. And I think there's just so much you could do in Hong Kong. Like, you know, most people think of Hong Kong as just a city, you know, oh, just a skyscrapers and, uh, you know, that's it. And by the way, a fact that it has more skyscrapers, um, you know, than even New York. That's like something as well. I think it has the most in the world. So, you know, so much to do in the city, but, you know, unlike New York, there's no really place to go hiking. There's no mountains there. There's, you know, there's a beach, but like, there's not really a beach too. It's not super warm water. And, you know, it's, I think Coney Island, is that, is that what it's? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, you know, there's not any mountains, but Hong Kong, you have beaches, you have, you know, it's super hot weather there. It's like close to the, well, it's not close to the equator, but, you know, it's closer than I believe obviously New York. And, you know, it's super hot weather there and you have mountains like everywhere you go. You could go to uh, Lantau Island. It's the island that has the airport. That's what it's known for, the airport island. But there's still, you know, small villages around the island. You have the big Buddha, which you can see at the top of the mountain, like the top of, uh, you know, the island. And it's just an island full of greenery and mountains. And, you know, you could walk around this island, a huge island, and, you know, hike through it and not even realize that there's a huge city like right next door to you. And there's just so much diversity that that's what i love about cities just a city that not only do you have the skyscrapers you have the culture but then you also have you know you have water you have beaches you have the the mountains to go hiking and most of you probably heard of victoria peak victoria peak is this one peak in uh hong kong which everyone goes to at night or even during the day and you get a full view of hong kong but then you can also go to mountains from the other side of the island in kowloon victoria peak by the way is in the the hong kong island there's two islands there's uh, there's, the city is kind of divided into two. You have Kowloon Island and then Hong Kong Island. And the city uh, is just in those two islands. And there's just so much to do in Hong Kong. Like, I could go on forever about it. But it's one of those cities that, you know, you could probably spend months there and still not see everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, honestly, I, I want to hear as much as possible as, as to what you have um, to say about Hong Kong. Like, another thing I just want to share is that... Yep. Um, I think you were mentioning, well, you were just mentioning Lantau Island. Yeah, exactly. And I believe that that's where there's like a famous, um, I don't know if it's a fishing village. I think it's called like Tai O. Yeah, yeah. Tai O Fishing Village. So one of the coolest things is that Hong Kong is really a city of contrasts, uh, which I like. And I've never been to Southeast Asia, but <laughs> from from what I've seen in those like small fishing villages, it's like, I felt like I was transported from like one of the most modern cities in the world to like Southeast Asia. And, um, it's just such a special feeling. It's, it's such a well 
rounded that's that's what yeah. you were saying it's like you could spend months there and like i feel like you don't even have to leave um you don't even have to leave hong kong and just like you could spend so much time there and see different exactly. things every day um even like give me a break it's like one neighborhood in hong kong is like you could spend so much time there and and you know how <laughs> so small you know how small these neighborhoods are these neighborhoods are tiny they're like really the whole city is tiny yeah, like very small it's big uh, but city. tiny it's like someone my my dad went to uh, he works for a company that's based in hong kong and he went to visit the head office like the headquarters and they told him like oh where are you staying and he told him where where we were staying and he's like oh okay no worries I'll, I'll come visit the office and they were like are you crazy it's like 20 minutes to get there and my dad was like 20 minutes it's like 15 20 minutes yeah, and for them nothing. that was like far it's like in hong kong you, you get wherever you have to get to in like seven minutes and uh, what like if you're yeah. yeah seven minutes 10 minutes whatever it might be um if you're not walking if you're you know, the transportation there is very good you too. Just the, hop on to the yeah, metro. The, bus, the metro. There's so many options, or or a taxi even. Even the boats that take you across from island to island. Yeah, boats too. Um, everything is quick there. Everything is efficient. It's it's really uh, it's uh, it's a unique place that I think a lot of cities could uh, could learn from in terms of like public transportation. Another thing is that with the city so dense and so populated, you would expect there to be um large amounts of traffic i've never seen traffic there once it's like that's that's the key is like to eliminate the that was something i i appreciated so much from hong kong is like they completely eliminate the need for cars in general that there's like never any traffic jams there's never any it everything just works there i find i don't think they have room for cars there there's probably no parking in Hong Kong to begin with. Probably very rare, like to yeah. uh, even find a parking spot if they do have. Yeah, like if you're parking, you're definitely parking uh, indoor parking, but or underground. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Hong it's uh, not. Um, it's not what I'm not gonna say. It's not car friendly because it is. It really is car friendly, um, in the sense that uh, there's like amazing highways, amazing roads. But it's just like y you don't need it. It's like mo. That was another thing that I've never seen in any other city is that I feel like there were more taxis than cars on the road, than, like, regular cars. I never seen such a thing in my life, and, and that was, like, a, another really cool, really special thing. Something about Hong Kong, too, is that uh, it's super dense because, again, it's a lot of mountains, so it's hard to make, um, you know, a lot of... It's also a small area, too, so it's hard to put up all these buildings when you have mountainous terrain, so that's why instead of building wide, they just build high, and that's why there's so many skyscrapers there. And um, another interesting fact, you were saying about how there's so much um, mountains and greenery. Yeah. I, I don't know the exact figures, but I think it's around 70% of uh, Hong Kong is green space. Um, so even when you're within these densely populated areas, even on Hong Kong Island, you could stumble on amazing, beautiful parks that are like super quiet. You would think they would be packed because like, so many people and there's a beautiful park like here whenever there's a nice park you know people flock to the park you know it's just to hang out no they're they're nice they're quiet they're it's just a beautiful place to hang out you could have like a really quiet time there you could you know go crazy and be yep. in the middle of it and the hustle and bustle and you know these intersections where it's like hundreds of people crossing at the same time or you people. know you could yeah or you could totally chill out it, it's it's an amazing place in that sense
I think a lot of people don't realize that that like Hong Kong is one of the only cities that you could go from like the biz one of the busiest cities in the entire world, one of the most densely populated cities, to the beach. You know, you could go to like um, Hong Kong Island, like uh, you know the south side where you have the beaches. You go from there, you know, about I'd say t- maybe ten minutes. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but literally ten minutes, like super fast public transportation. At the same day, you could go, you know, to the mountains, you go hiking, you know, even Atlanta Island. And then another, like, let's say 10, 20 minutes, you could be at, you know, all greenery. It's like the only city in the world that you could probably do that all in one day, super close together. And that's what makes Hong Kong, Hong Kong. And as what you were saying before is that, you know, you even have not only the big cities, but then you could go to like these small different islands that maybe have their own cultures to them. Uh, And then you also have, you know, the old fishing villages that you could see as well. And there's no other city, uh, no other city like that. And um, another cool thing is that um, travelers in general like to, you know, maybe us as travelers, not as much, but um, a lot of travelers like to hang around other travelers our age. And um, I do like to do that from time to time. That's one of the appeals of staying at hostels. And um, if you do like meeting other travelers, um, from Western countries, Australians, especially <laughs> probably full of Australians and Brits, um, Hong Kong. Yeah. It's full, 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 full of Westerners. If that's what you're into, you could definitely do that. You know, they have the coolest like rooftop bars in the world. Um, like I said, if that's what you're into, yep. you could have like an amazing time that way. So there's a lot to see there. And again, like, uh, on that too, there's just, Hong Kong, it has so much contrast. I, I'm comparing it right now. I'm talking, going to be talking about Singapore, but uh, Singapore also is like a city state. It's like its own country that's also a city. But, you know, Singapore, I find, in my opinion, you know, I haven't visited before, but I want to go in the future. It's super, uh, you know, clean. It's like, it kind of feels like it's too proper to be real. You know, like everything is like in strict order. And you don't really have that like natural uh chaotic feeling to it mm. and hong kong you have that chaotic feeling it's like it's just a city that there's so much happening and it's huge and it's like there's like beauty in that chaos that you see it's just everything's happening these buildings different colors different you know uh maybe architects making them some of the coolest buildings you could see the highways and then you go to like the lower ground and there's just everything happening like markets like you can find like the cheapest markets to go to for you know for food or for the buy things like there's just so much happening it's weird how you have like one of the most expensive cities to live with like all this you know um all this other stuff happening that you know and you feel like you're kind of wondering how do these people all, all live in the city that's so expensive and another cool thing is that that i noticed is that i never I never felt overwhelmed when I was there. Like like you said, it's, it's chaos, but everything kind of, it, it just works. Everything flows. Um, you know, it's it's city life. You know, people walk fast. It's like, if you just know you're, it, I'll be honest, it took some time to get used to it. it. took maybe a few days to get used to Hong Kong because it was unlike anything ever seen. Um, more in the sense that, maybe just walking from place to place was so different because um, even the way they cross the street is different in many places um, in many parts of like Hong Kong Island because um, in order to keep the flow of cars going in order to make it easier for for pedestrians even um, there are like pedestrian bridges that you 
instead of you know waiting for a light to turn green and then maybe someone's gonna make a right turn and almost hit you and it's like we all know that feeling yeah and trying to run before the no you just go up some stairs you go on a little pedestrian bridge you go on to the other side um every city should have that like every city should have very cool bridge i you feel very safe it's a very safe city too um never feel in danger and i want to ask you too like um because we mentioned it before but i think it's just a place that it's worth mentioning there's so much to see in hong kong this is i think the name is chongqing mansion i want to get your opinion about it like you want to visit what do you know about it um well of course you'll hear 99 bad things about it um does that make you want to visit it though yeah it does because it seems like seems like another plant like another yeah little country city. <laughs> country yeah. yeah it's like a little city in there it's like it, it seems kind of gross to be honest uh but i'm very intrigued it, it seems uh I, I don't know too much about it i'm sure you know more about it than me um but what's what's in there there's like stores there's Food. i think even restaurant yeah, yeah places to eat um accommodations it's just yeah. a lot of things going on and it it's, just when i when i see like something that's you know i'm attracted to action it's like if i'm walking down a street and i look the other way and i see it looks like bustling or whatever i'm gonna head towards it you know check it out what's going on and um yeah it, it just seems like a place with a lot going on and i would like to check it out but as far as like knowing about it and knowing what to expect sometimes i like that too sometimes i like not knowing much just like hearing the name and yeah. be like okay let me see what all the all this talk is about and all the stick talk yeah <laughs> and, and make my own judgment i guess expect the unexpected yeah a chunking mansion basically is it's it's not a mansion it's uh it's a huge building and over there again would um you'll find like the food you'll find like uh you know things to buy a lot of people there you know are also maybe from different countries that are you know setting up shop there you know, like uh, if they're coming to Hong Kong, maybe, for the maybe first India, time. Bangladesh, yeah. you know, different, maybe Southeast Asian countries. And I remember watching a video on YouTube um, by, I think, Drew Binsky, who's a really famous travel YouTuber. And he said a fact that like 80, at one point in like, I think 80%, I don't know the exact number, but I think 80% of all phones in Africa, or that's what he said, in all Africa came through Chongqing Mansion or something <laughs> along those lines. Again, I'm not sure if that's 100% true, but those are his words, and it's you know it's pretty cool to think about. So is it like a place where you'll find a lot of um, like fake a, fake things? And, yeah. Okay. A lot of fake things. Like bootleg. and. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else do you want to say about Hong Kong? I think uh, we might be wrapping up Hong Kong, but just one place that I think we both want to... Well, yeah, yours been. I think you've, yeah, you've already been, so... You want to go back there and you know i've never been and i really hope to go in the future yeah i would like to go back because um also like just to see just to see how you i don't know because if you do end up going at some point um maybe i will be able to go maybe i won't you know that's, that's just how life is but i when i was there that's what i was like it was always on my mind it was like oh my friends would love this place my friend would love this yeah. place bradley would love this bradley would love that and uh, so I'm just excited for you to see that. And Me too. Thank you. You know, while we're wrapping up Hong Kong, I would like to also say um, that I think it would be amazing also 
small trip to Macau. Oh yeah, I was about to. You reminded me. I was want to talk about that. And I completely forgot. Yo, thank yeah, yeah, no worries. Like I, I would like to talk a little bit about this. Um, Macau also one of the more interesting places I've been in my life. It's like some parts um, feel very, you know, maybe like mainland China. There's like a there's like two main parts. There's like one part is the like a newer island that's made up of. Um, you know, the Venetian hotel, um, you know, they have like very Vegas style, um, very Vegas style island. It has like their own version of the strip. And then there's like the other part, the older part, uh, which also has some casinos, but is more famous for, um, for looking like very Portuguese, um, looks like kind of European in some parts. Some casinos still. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the most famous one, uh, I wish I, I think it's called the Grand Lisboa or something. Oh yeah, yeah, Grand Lisboa. Yeah, I'm glad I remember that one. I think it's also, uh, also on that part, the older part. Um, but it it's a very cool place. It's um, it's definitely outside of the modern areas. It's definitely more rugged, um, and also a very unique place that I would like to to see more in depth. I think one of my coolest uh travel experiences ever besides maybe um besides maybe like the hong kong protests which i like marched in for like 30 <laughs> seconds and, you know just to get you some videos and they're gonna come after you if you say that like no it was just like it was <laughs> passing by my hotel and i was like let me see what it's all about i i grabbed my phone you know uh take a few videos say i was there and <laughs> you're part of the movement yeah i was, I was part of the movement um no honestly like for real real talk it was like that was a very emotional time um just in the sense that like emotional yeah that's a good question um it's because it was my first time ever seeing people um that you know they have this fear kind of what you know a lot of people were feeling now of or in the past year or so of, of having their freedom taken away from them um they believed that they were living in a free society in Hong Kong, you know, the democratic society. And uh, they feel like that's being taken away from them little by little. And they were protesting for what they believe is right, you know, standing up to the quote unquote big bully, which is China. Um, I'm sorry, Chinese listening. <laughs> no Chinese listening. Uh, um, no, for anyone. Spotify listen- isn't available in China. So sorry, guys. <laughs> anyone listening to this? Um, I'm not, Bradley, I have no comment on this. No, I want to go to Hong Kong in the future. So Chinese <laughs> government, if you're listening to this, I have no comment. I am a bystander. No, but really, it, it was um, it was amazing to see people stand up for what they believe is right. And uh, even though I was just there kind of watching, I, I still felt like, uh, I don't know, just being there was very special. So, um, yeah, like I was saying, one of the coolest travel experiences besides that was when I was in Macau for a few days, maybe it was like two, three days, maybe even three, four days. I went like at least two days without seeing someone that looked like myself, you know, without seeing another foreigner, basically, without seeing another white person. And that was one of the coolest things that I've ever experienced. I never had such a thing in my life where I'm the one who suddenly looks different, you know, it's like, yeah. It's a crazy feeling. It is a crazy feeling because, like, when we go to, 
when I went to Europe, when I went, even going to Panama, it was like, it wasn't really on my mind that like, oh, I stand out here. No, I wasn't really thinking about that. If I go to Mexico, I don't yeah. really think like, oh, I'm standing out so much. But, it's like, there are plenty of white people in Panama, plenty of exactly. white people in Mexico. It's like, but when I was in uh, Macau, you know, it really hit me. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm the other. I don't know. It was you just stand a, out like um, a lot more for sure. Uh-huh. I don't even think anyone, that's the thing. It's like, no one's really paying attention to you anyways. It's just in your head. It's just like, yeah. wow, every, everyone looks, yeah, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, we call, maybe I'm getting too, uh, too deep here or whatever, but we call, unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, but that's just reality. We call people that look like that, I guess, visible minority, you would say. That's like a PC, yeah, I guess PC term or just a regular term, visible minority. Over there, I'm the visible minority. <laughs> and it was like just such a, I don't know, it was a cool feeling. I, I, I really felt like I was, I was being, I was thrown into this culture and I don't, I don't know what to say. It was just uh, yeah. one of my really, really cool experiences. Takes you out of like, your comfort zone. Yeah. And, Seek discomfort. And it, you know what? You say well, yeah, get it's not out even of like, the comfort zone, yeah, but true. I was kind of really enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It was like, it wasn't uncomfortable for me. I was like, yeah, I, I just thought it was so, so, so cool. But maybe you don't even like realize it at first. You mm-hmm. know? Then after that, you realize, and then you're like, okay, and you just continue. Yeah. Like, you just don't care. Yeah. I, I, no, I just realized it was like, wow, this is like day two or day three of, of like, I haven't seen a single Westerner. It was, it was just like a, a cool feeling. It was yeah. something I never experienced before, and I really loved it. I, I think they have a, an amazing culture there. I really love, you know, Asian people, really, really great people, have a great culture, and, and I wish to have more experiences like that in my life. Like, I'm glad you do. Yeah, that like when I had that experience, when I had that feeling of being the one who looks different, I was like, this is uh, this is a lot of fun. I don't know. It's, I don't know yeah. why I felt that way, but it, it was just fun. It's different. Like, you know, something that's... Something that doesn't happen every day, you know? Yeah, because we live in a, a place that's pretty uh you know diverse like so many different people here from different ethnicities so it's you know common but i like to see uh you know people look different but when you go to a place like you know um like hong kong or maybe not hong kong but maybe uh like macau or you go to maybe even let's say like indonesia like you might feel like you're you know if you're someone with european ancestry you might feel a lot different compared to to everyone else and um I guess back on Hong Kong, uh, Macau note, uh, just for some context, like Macau is, unlike Hong Kong, Macau was once colonized by the Brit, uh, by the Portuguese. So Hong Kong was by the British and Macau was by the Portuguese and very similar situation, such as, uh, you know, uh, what's happening now with Hong Kong, you know, but uh, China wants to take back Macau, basically it's its own uh, territory. But they're a little bit more inclined to go back to China because they don't really have as much. It's a much smaller island. They don't really have as much of a you know Portuguese culture there. Like Portuguese is not really spoken there at all. And basically, a lot of the locals there made it into this new Vegas. They call it the Vegas of China, basically, because of you know it's its own territory. They're able to pass some laws that were able to let them have all these huge casinos. And you know again because it's technically but sort of part of china it's a complicated situation they're able to have all these casinos and it's again the vegas of 
of China and huge casinos everywhere. That's what people mainly travel there for, like, you know, the casinos. Yes, like people travel there maybe for that Portuguese culture, but it's mainly for the casinos and there's so many of them. And I believe it actually makes more revenue than Vegas itself. Yeah, so, four times the amount yeah, of revenue. Four times the amount, which is, is crazy. And Vegas also... Well, I think half of Vegas's income or maybe a little bit more than half or some percentages, you know, on the shows and on everything else that's not gambling. Gambling is only, I think, half of it. But it became a major entertainment hub. Yeah. And, you Vegas. know, the Chinese, they they take gambling very yeah, seriously. It's part it's, of their culture. It's uh, less of a culture. game. Yeah. yeah, I guess you could say it's part of the culture. Like, the reason, I guess, it's so much more, I guess you could say, successful yeah, than Vegas is because... The U.S. has a population of what, three hundred twenty million, three hundred something yeah, not million. Not everyone gambles. A good amount do, but it's not, not like everyone, everyone gambles. But it's not just that. It's like it's not the only place in the country that it's legal. You know That's what I'm true. saying? Yeah, there's, there's like, other places. There's that have other casinos. places. Atlantic there's other City. states. Yeah, there's other states that gambling is legal, and um, Hong, um, China has like the U.S. population plus 100 million, plus a billion, you know, 1.4 billion, whatever yeah. it is. And um, they only have one option for legal gambling in their country, which is Macau. Gambling is illegal in China, everywhere else. People still most likely gamble in China. Yeah, for sure. black like market, bets. underground. Yeah, exactly. Of course, that's, that's without a... without a. add that in. Yeah. yeah, of course, that's like without a, without a, a doubt, without a question. But... Um, Anywhere to do legal, legit casinos is uh, yeah is uh, Macau and and they have their casinos are way bigger than Vegas's and it's just crazy. Even go to Vegas, it's like all the big players, all the you know, all the big bucks is yeah. Chinese people as well. Yeah, you see it's that when you're in part Vegas. of the culture. They take it very seriously. It's less of a game, more of a I don't know I don't know how to explain it. It's just take part it of their. Seriously. I feel like culture is not the best way to say it. Like, yeah, gambling is part of your culture. I'm not sure if that's a good way to say it. But, um, you know, I think Chinese people, they're just more inclined. You know, maybe they like... I'm trying to think of a good way to say this, but they're just I don't more know. inclined to gamble. I don't know, man. Like, it could be could be could yes. Be culture, yeah. Like, no, but that's the thing. It could be yes, but it could be also the fact that it's like 1.4 billion people. So, of course, you're going to see a lot of Chinese people in casinos. Like... It's just the fact that there are so many Chinese people in the world. So maybe that's like just another reason. It's like, definitely a reason for it's sure. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, so many Chinese uh, tourists in Europe. Yeah, it's because there are so yeah, many Chinese people. Billion. It doesn't mean that, you yeah. know, all Chinese people like to that's go to, to Europe. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's, it's very yeah. interesting to, and, to see. And like the Macau too, as, you know, Vegas, it's like only 50% that they make from around that maybe roughly... 50% from gambling, Macau is about 90 or something huge like that. Probably, so yeah. if they started putting shows in Macau, you know, they can make even more revenue. Like it's, it's crazy how big Macau is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, I guess besides Macau, maybe, yeah, maybe Kong. just like, I don't even want to get too into it, but it's like, you could go to Shenzhen and Guangzhou yeah. also, but yeah, that's just like other exactly. little trips you just could do. Trips. From, yeah, just or maybe for like a few days. Other big yeah. Chinese cities, which is in mainland China, might be a little harder, more complicated to get into. So, you know, yeah. take it or leave it, as they say. It's like, take it or leave you it. know, if you want to go, go. If you don't, Hong Kong, you're not um, missing much. 
Hong Kong and Macau are visa. F- I mean, I'm not sure about everyone listening to this, but they're visa free at least for us. Cause yeah, probably Canadian for citizens. Brits, Americans, uh, Europeans, Australians, yeah. all that. Um, so what's your next, uh, your next country or next place? So I have a uh, two in mind. I'm not sure if we have time for, uh, both. No, we're going to do, we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So second one I have in mind is India. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, go for it. Um, India just in general, I could go on like forever about India. There's just so much to see about it. Um, and I think just in general, I think India is a country that's very overlooked, also has a population like 1.3 billion. And I think people think of India as just this one place, like, you know, just the Taj Mahal and that's it. But people don't really realize that India is one of the most diverse countries in the world. Like every state has their own, you know, uh, ethnicity and you have so many different languages. I don't know the exact number, maybe like 13 languages spoken around the country. Probably even more if you go like to like... primary languages, because if you're just talking about languages in general, it's got to be more than yeah, 13. Yeah, for sure. Like, I know if you... There's maybe th- like 13 officially, <laughs> like yeah, for like, all I know. Because different states, you know, could have their own like languages, like, like Gujarat or, you know, like uh, like like uh, Punjab. Like, you know, they have their own, um, their own dialects, their own languages. So there's so many in India. Like if you look at a map on Wikipedia, like different languages, main language spoken around India, there's so many especially when you go to the south you have like tamil and i know i'm saying so much about india right now but i guess this kind of shows how much there is to see in this country and i think it's one that is super overlooked because most people they think of india they go like okay i'm just gonna go see the taj mahal and that's it you know and they're like okay i've crossed india off my list or people dismiss it altogether actually because yeah they just say like like india yuck you know exactly they just leave it at that they just yeah, the, a lot of people just aren't even interested. They just, I guess, has a bad rap. I'm checking on my map now to see my Google Maps to see different places that I have um, in India's waypoints because in the future I definitely want to travel to India and I've marked like so many places on my map that I want to see. I think India has the most, out of every country on Google Maps, has the most waypoints I checked of different cities because it's just that much to see. What are waypoints? So uh, on Google Maps... Um, I have just places in mind that, you know, maybe cities or different things I'd want to just visit. Obviously, I wouldn't go to every single one because some of them, you know, are impossible to get to. But just, you know, waypoints of cool places that I've maybe saw on, online or maybe, uh, you know, YouTube. I like to keep some things, you know, a mystery, like expect the unexpected. But, you know, if I go there, there's some things that I just saw online that look super cool. And India for sure has on my maps, like, uh, the most points of interest uh, for sure. And it just, it's a huge country like i in my opinion um like you know a lot of people treat india like one country which you know like might as well say like you know treat it like one country and you know people look at europe and they're like oh it's so many different countries europe it's so diverse so many different countries but if you like think about it india is probably as diverse or like more diverse than uh you know even europe like it's like a continent yeah it's it's they call like a subcontinent like Mm. you know you have so many different languages like in all the different states so you know like it's the same thing in Europe. Like all the countries have their own different languages. You have like different ethnicities and all these different, you know, states as well. They own their own cultures and some of their histories, you know, go back even later than Europe. Cause you know, people eventually, you know, everyone around the world came from, you know, originally like Africa or India. So people were in India beforehand and just 
it's so diverse this place i'm, I'm only going into like the the beginning now because there's so much more i want to go into but it's just so diverse um and yeah i think it's just sad that people treat it like one country because i feel like i'm repeating myself but so much to see and it's kind of in Europe in the sense that you could treat almost every state like its own own country, kind of like, you know, you have the European Union and, you know, you have like it's the, the union, you know, it's the same currency used all, all around. And, you know, there's free travel between a lot of the, the countries. I find India sort of similar. It's like, you know, it's one huge uh, subcontinent with all the different, um, you know, states that act as, you know, they can even be their own countries, you know, 1.3 billion people. That's a lot. That's even more than Europe. That's a lot of huge amount of people same currency and you just travel between them and you're able to see everything it's a fascinating place um is there a specific region of india that you're like most intrigued by because like you're saying each one is so different there must be one that you find the most fascinating or the most intriguing or the most maybe i don't know even mysterious or or the most appealing to you which one would that be or maybe you have one or two or even three probably could name uh try to keep it try to keep it at try to keep it at like (laughs) one or two um what do you find most interesting i'll ask you the same questions after but um first is maybe you thinking the same thing rajasthan rajasthan is the one that has the it's bordering uh pakistan and it has like the desert so that's where you see like a lot of uh camels for an example and it has like its own culture because you know a lot of india it's a lot of parts of it are green but rajasthan again it's desert so it has its own again culture to it you have like these beautiful uh castles and everything that are in the desert they could even potentially have like a a camel fair they have once a year or something maybe they have it more often and just so much to uh to see there i'm trying to look at different cities you have like uh again my pronunciation of all these things is going to be off you have uh like pushkar and i think jaisalmir i could be getting these wrong but again so many places to see and um a second place i would say is i kind of want to pick a place that's going to be south india because you know people say that northern india and southern india are like literally two different places like you know if you go to you can't just go northern you got to go southern as well but um, I think just a place that I would want to go to is, um, you know, maybe uh, Punjab because I have a lot of friends. I, have, I know a few people that they're uh, in our city that they're from there, or their families from there. And you know, I hear so many things about it that I would want to go to Punjab. And something about Punjab, too, is that they're not a uh, Sikh. So a lot of Indian people are, are I mean, you mean, they are Sikh. I mean, yeah, they are Sikh. A lot of Indian people are um, Hindu, but the Punjabs, they're not, um, they're not Hindu. They're, they have their own religion. Exactly. Sikhism. Yeah. Sikhism. So it's really interesting. And it's known as, you know, there's a lot of farms there too, cause it's more green. It's right North of uh, Rajasthan too, the previous state I just named. And just so much to, uh, you know, see in a lot of culture, a lot of what we know from India comes from Punjab too. Yeah, like I don't know so much about India, and um, I feel like I'm I'm here more to listen to what you have to say about it. But um, I I think Amritsar looks very interesting, very cool, especially the the Golden Temple, uh, somewhere that's very important for Sikhism, and it's somewhere I would I would like to visit too. Uh, yeah, just very intriguing. Also, somewhere that I'm I'm sure they have their own. Uh, somewhat turmoil in the sense that they would like to be independent. I, I feel like so yeah. many parts of India are like that. Probably. It's like so many uh, states want to be their own place. Why would you want to go to um, 
Punjab, like what? Also, because I I have met people that are Sikh and I I found them all to be like really nice people. I I think they have a really nice culture and and religion and all that. And I think it would be cool to uh, to see where they're from. What about like another state that you'd want to visit, or at least an area that you could think of? Yeah, sure. Um, India, as as you know, is um, somewhere I'd like to visit, but it's never really somewhere I, I've done much research on. Ninety percent of my knowledge is from uh, from some videos that I've seen online. Uh, maybe the northeast, because northeast. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the the most different. I guess it's like um, apparently if you're with like a group of of backpackers or something and you're in some somewhere in india and you say like oh i've been to the northeast it's like oh all of a sudden you become like the coolest guy in the room (laughs) it's just like (laughs) why is that um just the fact that i think it's hard to get to and um it's not as visited maybe it's definitely not as visited and the people there i think so tell us a little bit about uh tell me a bit about the northeast like what makes it different like i said i don't know really anything about it but I know that the people look different. The people look somewhat um, like, like f- from Myanmar or, yeah. or like Southeast Asian almost. Like more Asian looking. Yeah, definitely more Asian looking. Like not really brown. And yeah, I think if uh, you want to see things that are as unique as possible, you know, go to the Northeast. You know, yeah. of course, go to the main main parts too. Um, what's the place that they do that that ceremony uh by the river by the water oh varanasi yeah so like go yeah. to varanasi go to rajasthan punjab all those places like see what the main things that there is to see but also remember that india does have many parts that are so different and i think the northeast would be a, a cool place that's relatively yeah under visited and they don't speak too. Hindi there either, right? <clears throat> they, I think like a, a lot of, so Hindi's kind of its own, um, could be, I'm not sure if it's Hindu, Hindi? It's Hindi, Hindi, yeah. Okay, so uh, Hindi, they speak it all over India because it's kind of like... It's the official language, like Mandarin exactly. and Chinese in China. So a lot of people use Hindi as like um, a language to communicate between themselves because in the South India too, there's a lot of different languages that people speak. So they kind of use Hindi as like that common language, but also people... Um, like people speak English there too. Like I was told that people in Southern India are super good at English because they used English or they learned it from a very young age because they use it as a language that, uh, you know, the, the middle language that speak to other people that perhaps their language, their first language is not English. Or they also use English as like a second language. I see. Um, are there some other things that you would like to add about India? Yeah. Like, uh, so many. I mean, I feel like we could go on every country for hours, but um, the northeast of India is super cool. So northeast, um, depending where you go, I think it kind of circles around Bangladesh, another huge country, uh, huge in terms of population. I mean, I think the most densely populated country in the entire world. And it kind of circles around Bangladesh and then goes, touches like, you know, Myanmar, um, India. A lot of people, like you were saying, don't explore this place and because it's very far out and I would love to go there and I think India too, um, if I went, I'd want to explore. I think I'd also want to go to the the north. So the north of uh, like Punjab, you have like uh, Kashmir. I wouldn't necessarily go to Kashmir. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but you also have uh, Ladakh, Ladakh. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. But, you know, 
India, you have so much to see. Like, it's not just, you know, the the Golden Triangle. The Golden Triangle, by the way, is a lot of tourists, when they go to India, they just want to, uh, you know, see things. It's called the Golden Triangle because you go from New Delhi to um, New Delhi to another city which has the um, the Taj Mahal. I forget what the city's called, but everyone goes from New Delhi to, to the Taj Mahal, and then they go to Jaipur, and then they go back to New Delhi and they leave. So they call it the Golden Triangle. I'm pretty sure it's that because it's a very fast way to you know see three cities in a country that has you know like so many to see. So uh, you know it's a lot um, you know lots in Indian. The thing about the northern part is that you go close to the um, you go close to the Himalayas, so you go super north, and you kind of get a feel of Nepal. Maybe there, you get a feel of maybe even like Bhutan. Even though you're not, you know, it's still in India. You know, you're going to these super northern places with like beautiful mountains, and hey, it's all snowy, and you wouldn't believe that this is India. And um, what would you say is for you? What would be a good amount of time to spend in? Uh in India, if you were to do a trip that you know that you're talking about right now, yeah, where you see all these different regions, um, one question is how long would you, how long would you take for this trip, and what would be, what do you think are the best ways to get around the cities and the best ways to get around from city to city? I like that. So I know it's a few questions in one, but yeah. you know, take your time. We're talking more about like the um, just like the cities and places, but now we're kind of digging in more into like deeper into the logistics and you know what there's to do there which i like so. yeah because you know people people listening you know they're they're hearing names and all but that doesn't mean much to people you know yeah, they they want to exactly. hear what are you going to do like how are you going to get around um you know yeah so you when you're there you just take rickshaws everywhere that's a joke by the way no, <laughs> you're not going to do that but uh you know that's uh rickshaws a way that people get around uh, southeast asia and you know india and other countries but when you're there i think just Public transport for sure. Like you know, obviously you could go in. So define public transport because in India, yeah. What I is? Mean, I've never been before, but to me, I just see public transport as because you know public like, transport for us and Europeans, like oh, you go on a on a tramway and on the metro. And, come <laughs> on, mean, it's like India, you know. I mean, it's like you have metro, you're like, really roughing it out I over mean, there. Yeah, in Mumbai some and New Delhi have metros, but you know, like be ready to to be to be uncomfortable because you're gonna be jam packed in there and. It's like a, it's not like anywhere you've been in all the major cities. There, there's people everywhere. You know, over here you might walk on the sidewalk. You're gonna have you're gonna have some space. And when you walk in India, like you're not having this. Is what I've been told, you're not having any space. Like there's gonna mm. be another hundreds of people walking on that same sidewalk as you, no matter where you go. And that's what makes it a, a crazy place. So to get around, I feel like depends because if you're going around just the cities, you know, you're probably gonna walk or take maybe rickshaws. You know, things that are small that could fit between cars because traffic there you know we heard it's like it's horrible but then between major cities you could take you know maybe buses for example obviously there'd be buses maybe even trains you could take um you know the british it used to be a colony of um of england so there are a lot of trains that are set up in india for people to get around that's interesting and when you um when you arrive in a new city would you do you think it would be better to uh to have places booked in advance or would you like to um you know just show up at at some hostels or hotels and and try to book it that way do you think it's better to have places uh booked in advance or is it the kind of place that you could just wing it 
so India is a place that you won't have everything booked in advance, like everything, your meals, your food. I'm just joking, by the way. India is that one place you go to where you could do, you know, you show up there with nothing planned and just find hostels and you go, you find street food. It's one of those like chaotic places that uh, in, a, in a beautiful way that you can just do really anything. You don't need to have any plan at all. And for those, uh, you know, people listening that I think like people are so used to maybe Europe Europe, like you got to plan everything ahead of time. It's like you book the train, you have to find your hostels or maybe not hostels, but maybe hotels and Airbnb, Airbnb. and you know, like what you're going to be doing. But when you go to Southeast Asian countries, like, um, like I don't, I don't like to use the terms, but like maybe second, like not, not first world countries, you know, things that Developing are like countries, yeah, like things that are a lot more, um, like on the spot, on the moment, like last minute, you know, nothing there is formal. Everything is, you go up to people, you talk to them, you find, okay, you're, you're taking a bus from this city to, to, uh, to the city. Okay. Like, uh, how much is it? I'll hop on, you know, you could bargain with them, the price, you could debate it. That's what India is like in a lot of these other Southeast Asian countries. It's just more of like a do it yourself kind of place. And I feel like it makes you become more independent because it makes you, you know, seek discomfort, go out of your way and, feel uncomfortable to have to, you know, talk to people, bargain with them, find out where you're going without going on Google first and, you know, searching up how to go from point A to B. You have to do things yourself and you know, it's a lot of word of mouth too. Would it be fair to say that if you're someone that likes to very much be in control, your sense of control is like, you yeah. know, India, you know, India controls you a little bit, you know, you, yeah. you got to go with the flow. India doesn't adjust to you. You, you have gotta, to adjust to India. Yeah. So sorry to uh, Matan listening to this. Like, I don't think uh, you're going to like India too much because we know that he like being in control. But uh, there's a lot of bananas in at least uh, India too. That's a joke for Matan. Um, yeah, it's one of those places that you just, you be, it's like a, a wave maybe, you know, there's a wave happening. And when you see a wave coming to you, you don't, um, you can't stop a wave. You just become part of the wave. If you don't fall, that is. Yeah. And if you're surfing, I mean. What what kind of um, do you have any sort of tips or heads ups or warnings for people that are are looking to uh, to travel to India? Because uh, we've put a very rosy kind of uh, positive um, outlook and maybe a little not unrealistic, but you know it's a uh, it's a rough place to travel. So so what kind of tips from what you've done in terms of research? You haven't been yet, but you've done your research, your due diligence, and um, what do you have to say maybe to uh, not warn people, but uh, maybe some advice to people that are looking yeah. to uh, potentially yeah. go to India? Maybe people that have never been interested before, but now they're like, hey, this this does, I do want an adventure. I want something kind of interesting. What heads up uh, do you think you could give them? Like the reality is that like every country is going to have its ups and downs. And you know, like, I'm not going to go into, like, a bunch of criticism about India because it's, again, it's a, a great place. But, you know, like, you just want to take the same precautions as you would that, you know, if you would travel to, to Europe. You know, I like, don't agree. You don't agree? No. It's not. How could you say it's the same precautions as, as going to Europe? Like, I mean, you can't drink the water. You got to be careful with the food. It's like, there's a lot to okay, take into account. It's like... I want to give you. I want you to give people actual, real, realistic things, and okay, well, like, as opposed to saying it's you know expect something like Europe. It's more like 
I I genuinely don't feel okay. like I feel like having a night's yeah. sleep is like nearly impossible <laughs> in India. That's true. That's so true. So I think I, mean, I, I, I want you to give too. I want you to give a real real yeah. advice, real okay. maybe tips to people listening. So I think what I was saying before is more in the the sense of maybe um, danger. Maybe is that look the reality is that if you're a solo female traveler, perhaps Europe you could do it. I know you could. You know, if you're experienced, you could do India for sure. But, you know, we got to be real that if you're a female solo traveler, you're going to get a lot more attention, you know, in India uh, than other countries. And I think other female solo travelers could could tell you that for sure. And it's something that you got to look out for. I'm not saying anything. We're not saying anything bad about India. I love the country, but it's something that you just need to be aware of, um, you know, especially if you're going as, as, as a girl. And in terms of food, like, you know, most even in other Southeast Asian countries, such as Thailand, I'm sure if you eat the wrong street food, you could get sick. But India, though, it's a lot of vegetarian food, not too much meat, because it's illegal in most parts of the country. Because, you know, in the Hindu religion, you're not allowed to eat uh, maybe, meat. Maybe beef. Yeah, or I think actually all meat, even fish. Because like, mm. they think that, like, um, you know, it's reincarnation. So that's why it's a lot of, you know... Uh, vegetables and vegan so you know most things that are vegan that don't have meat most likely you're not going to get as sick from if there's meat involved then you're more likely to get you know a bad stomach from it so there's that but you go southeast asia you still got to make sure and you know be aware because realistically you're going to get traveler stomach at least once for sure i don't think anyone has traveled and not gotten like you know uh traveler stomach before uh when they travel to this area of the world and in terms of water you know you're going to have to get most likely bottled water if you're staying at a hotel that maybe has filtered water you could drink from there too. And it's sad because there's a lot of problems in India right now in terms of water. Like a lot of people don't have access to clean water and not just India, but places from around the world and it's something that you got to look out for. But again, it's... And compared to Europe, you know, it's a place that expect the unexpected. Have some places in mind when you go, some cities, but don't... Um, don't think that everything is going to line up perfectly like A, B, C and all the way to Z. Just, you know, have room for, you know, maybe some numbers in there. You know, A, uh, one, two, three, four, go back to B. Like, you know, mix it up a bit. Right. And I, I think another warning I, I would give people, it's like, I, I don't want to just, you know, I, I'm not that kind of person that I just want to talk about, you know, positive, everything is perfect. You know, I, I want to be real with people and uh transparent it's another thing is like you know expect to get ripped off you know i i think a lot of times i think um people might may or may not be honest with you uh when it comes to pricing whether it's for rickshaws whether it's for uh, a lot of things um you know there's there's local prices and there's tourist prices so maybe another tip is like learn some phrases and uh Learn some sentences in, yeah. in Hindi. That's for like any country though. Just learning a few words from the local language. And um, yeah, so what else could we could we say well, about India? I, th- I think like when it comes to pricing though, like you might be ripped, like it depends what you mean ripped off because if well, you're getting- Well, India is notorious for scams. Because you know, like the currency there is lower. So if, I'm trying to think if you, let's say something costs- let's say um, like equivalent to 50 cents and they charge you like, you know, three, four dollars. Like, yes, like you're getting ripped off, but at the end of the day, like um, 
it's not huge if you know what i mean it's not like they're charging you like 50 dollars something that should be two dollars let's say canadian like that's for sure um you know a scammer i mean let's say something happens like i, I heard this before in india where you'll be walking and someone will kind of squirt like like dog dog poop on the shoe and then they'll go to the they'll tell the guy they have a friend that they bring you to so they can clean it off and they charge you a same price like that's a scam but when it comes to you know debating you know we're going to market and you want to buy something obviously they're going to see you be prepared you know if you, you're not from there to pay a little bit more but I, i'm kind of someone too that you know if the guy's charging you let's say three four like three dollars instead of you know two then a day like i'm not gonna i'm not going to argue with him you know if i think like the price is fair you know some people could use the extra dollar so and i would be more inclined to give it yeah i understand um yeah it took an interesting turn this uh this episode um but yeah i i just want people to understand that uh not everything is always perfect i think that's one of the cool things about travel too is that uh don't expect everything to be perfect expect uh you know it's it, especially when you go to India and places like that, it's going to be a bumpy ride, you know? Um, and do you want to talk about your next country or do you want to still cover some more about India? I think um, I spoke a lot about India. There's a lot of places to see. Uh, maybe I just want to mention one other place because, you know, people, that, when you go traveling, let's be real, you want to go to a beach, you want to see it, like, I'm, I'm the type of traveler that I want to see everything. Like I literally want to see every uh, part of a, a country. Like um, maybe we'll talk about it after maybe a different episode, but we went to uh, Puerto Rico recently and we went to places that even locals said that they've never really been to or they were, they were like, uh, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They were shocked that we travel to these places that are so off the beaten path. And I'm that type of travelers that I just like to, it's kind of like a, like a map, like a quest. And I just want to, map off you know as much as possible like, i want to explore like the entire world not just go to let's say go to india and go to new delhi and then skip out on all the other cultures and cities that it has i want to see like all of india and you know if you're going to india and let's be real like you want to go to a beach you got to go to uh, goa so goa is a city well it's a state that's further south and it's known for its beaches it's um used to be a, a portuguese colony so for those that don't know, you know, the British were there, but I forget if the British took took it from the Portuguese. I forget, but maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but it used to be a Portuguese colony there. Uh, and again, you have some beautiful beaches. You have some buildings there that are, you know, resemble Portugal in a way. And it's a place that, you know, if you go to India, you want to get those beach pictures. It's the place you go to. And um, yeah, lastly, I'm not sure if you want to add anything. Is Goa, yeah, is, is Goa the place that's very popular among Russians? Yeah, exactly. That's the place. Yeah, that's for some reason that I know it for that. Yeah, if you hear Russians, like uh, the Russian language, you know you're in Goa. Yeah, and, and that's a cool thing with um, that I respect about Indians and uh, people. I think I think this applies to people across the world in in these kind of countries that when they when it you know life is uh, survival of the fittest. You know that's true. At, at the end of the day. So you have people that are, you know, kids even that are are picking up and learning different languages from around the world, you know, just to be able to sell extra things, make extra dollars, and yeah. and uh, you know, talk with tourists. I I really respect that. That's like survival to me. That's like learning. Like that's one of the things. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things I find about like I'll even say like about Russian people. It's like, or even Chinese or or whatever it is, whatever country that you know has a bit of um issues or whatever 
they they adapt and they learn new languages like like crazy like yeah. quickly it's like they they got a they move to israel they get the opportunity like okay they, they learn hebrew quick you know they they get a better opportunity to move to canada or the u.s they, they move they learn english or french or whatever it is they have to learn they learn so that's a that's a cool thing i find about goa is like yeah it's uh yeah a survival of, out there a lot of um yeah a lot of people tours from different countries that go there it's just a side tangent but just talking about people that learn other languages there's this one video of like uh i think it was on nos daily this one kid that lives in um uh, what's the, cambodia i think and he sells like uh different knickknacks and different you know souvenirs near one of like the temples the temple that everyone there goes to see and this kid knows like i think 10 different languages like like wow. able to communicate in them like everything from Mandarin to like, uh, you know, to English to like maybe Spanish. Like it's crazy. Like, and you learned this all learning it from tours that he would sell to like. Languages is one of those things that I, I really respect. Like yep. if someone is able to pick up languages quickly and, and, uh, are you able to, um, it's all about memory, right? Like not all about memory. It's also about memory and being able to like put sentences together. Um, I think I'm somewhat okay with languages. Yeah, I, I think I could pick up relatively quickly. Like if you, it's if you trait. throw me in an in an environment that uh, I do have to, you know, learn some phrases, learn some uh, basic things, I'll I'll be able to learn it. Like I I worked with people from Hong Kong. I I forgot a lot of the the sentences by now, but I learned a lot of uh, you know yeah, some true. Cantonese sayings and things like that. It's like if I, I i could adapt to many situations yeah when you're in a new environment and you got to adapt like you'll pick up new things yeah um any final words on india yeah um like sort of uh like go i'd say this place is not as um i'd say well known it's on the opposite side so it's still in the south but just like across like you know because this is like um goa is on the west side i believe and it's on the the west side and this place is on the east side also south and it's called pondicherry i think i'm pronouncing it wrong but essentially it used to be a colony of france so you have a bit of like french architecture there wait in india yeah it used mm. to be french i think maybe the british took over after i forget uh but yeah I, at one point it was french and you know it's something that people don't really um you know think about when it comes to india and again, you have beaches there because don't forget, like India is a subcontinent, the entire coast, you just have like beaches and like ocean. So there's so much to, you know, to see there and do. And again, like India just has so much. It's not just one place like New Delhi and, you know, Taj Mahal. You have like every, you click on the most random city, the most random town you see in India on Google Maps, you'll see like the most beautiful temple you've ever seen in your, your entire life. That's probably older than, you know, any church that you'll see in Europe. And I think people don't, realize that and that's why i find india is like that that country that's it's you know like in my opinion like 30 countries in one yeah and i, I kind of want to end the india uh portion of this podcast with i went a little crazy to be honest with anthony Bordenko. okay because <laughs> I, I found so many yeah. good ones online so on um, India. it wasn't on india but it was uh it goes like this um and I think it it sums up India kind of well, so I just want to end it um, end the India portion this way. Um, travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts or even breaks your heart, but that's okay. 
The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory, on your consciousness, on your heart, and on your body. You take something with you. Hopefully, you leave something good behind. I like that quote. Yeah. So even if you're it's a great quote. yeah, even if you're uncomfortable, even whatever, the journey is uh, it's gonna make you a better person. It's gonna make you more appreciative of uh, of your life back home, and and you'll see different ways of living. I, I think that's something I really I I find cool about India is that yeah, it's it's one of those places that um, couldn't be more different than where we're from. I think all your all your hmm. all your what yeah i'm trying to think of the right word pc culture like no okay. <laughs> it's just like anything that's um okay. in your comfort zone i guess yeah. uh, i want to find a better word than comfort zone because people keep using that now oh, it's a bit of overused, overused yeah. term um but anything that you're used to any um you know routine let's say your routine whatever it might be anything that you're used to is yeah it's Something all gonna be thrown out the window it's like you're going into an a whole other world yeah just something different basically yeah and um yeah if you want to just simplify it that way um so what's your you have a final country yeah i'm wondering do you have one that you want to say yeah yeah so um i had a very hard time deciding on the second country that i want to discuss um <laughs> i chose mexico yeah just because Akiba. Yeah, just because Mexico is, uh, I, I could say it's my favorite country in the world. Um, but I also, like, kind of in brackets, I, I said, like, maybe other, like, otherwise, maybe, <clears throat> maybe like, Colombia or Cuba, I think also would be uh, amazing adventures for us. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, thing about Mexico is I, I see Mexico as the kind of the, perfect place for you why is that you mean because, me like in particular right uh-huh um because mexico is for me it's really all about the people i mean there's, there's so much you could say about it whether it's the music the food the i don't know just the traditions the i don't know the the beauty of the country itself the landscapes uh the beautiful cities and architecture and towns and beaches mountains you know i could just go on and on and on uh but i think what you would really like is uh the people the people are i find they're very funny they're very welcoming um you know if, if you're in a in a pueblo and like a, a small pueblo. town yeah and like and and you're lost or something you don't have to go out of your way and and look for people to uh to ask for directions like people will go out of their way to help you and um you're someone that likes to meet people and talk to people in in different countries and uh people will be more than happy to uh to speak with you and and get to know you maybe invite you for uh for a barbecue or something it's like they're that friendly they're that hospitable and i like that and I also, people, hospitable countries are like the best ones in my opinion. Yeah, and and I I find them to be very trustworthy too. Like when I was in the uh in the airport in Mexico City on my way to uh Panama City, I felt more comfortable, you know, the the charging stations to 
charge your phones, they're not right next to the seat. So you kind of, you either, you either charge it and you stand next to it or you charge it and you watch it from a distance, you know, from your seat, you watch your phone. How far? Um, kind of far, maybe, I don't know what's the distance, maybe uh, 20 feet, 10 feet, okay, 15 okay. feet, something like that. But you could see it. In, like. in your distance, yeah. In your eye, like you're able to see it, yeah. And I, knowing Mexican people the way that they are, I had more confidence, you know, just leaving my phone, even turning away for a few minutes to do, to talk with my friend who was nearby than, you know, I had so much faith that no one would take my phone. Yeah. Just because I, I know, I maybe it sounds ridiculous, but I, I have more faith there than in an American airport or in a Canadian airport. It's like people are very honest, very friendly. I feel safe um, in a Canadian one, though. I guess it depends. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't trust people not to take a phone, but um, you, I guess you never know. But You never know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the people are are so warm something that you would like to it's like they're they're very genuine people I, I think going to mexico and spending time there when i was 15 like really changed my life i how to change your life it it made me i think a much better person i before i went to to tijuana for two months so many people told me like wh- why would you go there like it's dangerous. It's like, you know, so people, do do in, people, there, people are very silly in the sense that they, yep. they, I, it's weird, but it's like, they look at numbers and they're, Statistics, they judge a place yeah. based on numbers. Yep. That's not how life works. You know, people will, will be like, oh, well, according to uh, the HDI of this country, the, it's a better place to live than uh, Canada is better to live in the U S I mean, it all really depends if you're, making like uh if you're middle income in canada maybe it's better middle income in the u.s like you can't judge a a whole country based on um you know hdis and crime rates and all these things because um it's not reflective of of real life uh like uh, tijuana technically has i think the highest murder rate of any city potentially um Yet I've never felt in danger in Tijuana. The people have always been super friendly, uh, super nice. Um, could walk anywhere, and and you feel feel almost fine. Um, and it just made me realize how how the media here, the media here, like the media, like in Canada or like in the U.S. <laughs> it's the same thing, same garbage to me. Canada, U.S. It's the same thing. Um, we make other countries look so bad, you know, anywhere that's foreign is, uh, you, you know, it's, oh, they speak Spanish. It's scary. It's, but it, it couldn't be further from the yeah. truth. I've never, they say Canadians are nice. It's like, go to Mexico. If you want to meet real nice people, Canadians aren't nice. It's like polite, but not it's nice. totally fake. It's cold. It's, it's like they're, it's like Jap. Mm, never mind. It's, it's basically <laughs> it's like, like, I have a friend in Japan who, yeah. who said, who went to Japan and he told me that the people, everyone that comes back from Japan says, oh my gosh, I've never met such friendly people in my life. Well, my friend speaks Japanese and he knows a lot about the culture and he knows that when, you know, 
after they're all friendly to you, they, they might talk bad about you behind your back or they're, they're not really genuine. It's like there's a politeness in Canada that's fake. It's, it's I'm polite because I have to be polite. I don't like you, but I have to be polite to you. Um, I'm going to hold the door for you because that's Canadian etiquette. I don't want to. I don't care about you. But in but it's better that we hold the door open than we don't hold the door open, at least. In Mexico, it's genuine. It's There's warmth. There's, uh, yeah, maybe more people care about one another. It's, um, it's just a friendliness that I've never seen before in my life and, and that I'll, I'll always appreciate. And for that reason, uh, Mexico and, and Latin America has a special place in my heart because of, uh, because of yeah. that warmth. And, um, yeah, they're just more affectionate people. Um, it's just really, really, I think you'd have an amazing time there because also Mexico is like, there's something for everyone over there. And I think uh, yeah. you enjoy history. You enjoy... You know, you could do the best hikes ever. You know, you exactly. could eat some of the best food ever. It's yeah. cheap, um, super cheap. Too. Yeah, super cheap. Some of the best tequila there. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that's from a, there, so like. Oh man, like, you know, I I know that yeah. we both occasionally on vacation we like to have some great nights out. Um, so Mexico also is an amazing place for that and party fiesta. Yeah, and. What can I say? It's like once you, also if you make like a Mexican friend, it's like they treat you like family. It's it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, that's the difference I find between like northern countries, like, you know, maybe more um, maybe more Western ones, I would say, like versus like the ones that are southern, you know, the ones that are like not first world, I would say. I don't like using these terms, but I think it's just it's the best way to like separate it. The ones that are not first world. You know they're more usually hospitable. That's a, that's the difference. You know you go to like Canada or United States or you know maybe other northern countries like you go to Europe. No one it's so diverse there already that no one really cares where you're from. You know they're so used to tourists. You know people that are more focused on their jobs. People that are not really especially in the cities. Let's say because maybe the rural areas could be a little bit different. The urban areas. You know the cities. People have their jobs. People don't really have time to you know have small talk and stuff. So. You know, people are more occupied. So yes, like in Canada, people are you know polite. Like you know, everyone who visits Canada, I think, says that you know everyone here is super polite. But it doesn't mean that everyone is necessarily friendly or wants to become friends with you because there's a, or maybe even hospitable because there's a difference uh, between that. Yeah, I I guess that's a good point. Um, and the fact the fact of the matter is like I I've spoken to people that have visited Montreal, for example. Okay. And they said that no one was nice here because, you know, Canada, um, Montreal and Quebec is not like the rest of Canada. But That's true. Um, yeah, so people tend to be less friendly here, I find, than other parts of Canada. But, um, yeah, I, I guess um, it's just a different mindset. Um, people care less about other people. And I guess that's fine. <laughs> Everyone has their own priorities. That's true. And, um, you know, I think whether it's a good or bad thing, um, Mexican people, they enjoy having a good time. They enjoy, uh, they're very, uh, they're very yes, social. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're very social people from what I've seen. Obviously, there's exceptions, but in the culture, it's ingrained in the culture yep. to be uh, social and festive and and it's something i really appreciate and i think um canadians and uh people in western countries could could learn a lot from uh from mexicans and learn from, what like um 
the hospital like being hospital hospitable um no just being a more more genuine people and i don't know just uh i don't know if it's something you could learn or or if it's just uh something that's just part of their culture that i i find is amazing and and i think we could also the cool thing about it is that we could also um you know do a road trip you know if you wanted you could um take buses everywhere it's like it's um yeah. it has something for everyone and you could do it in any style that you want to you could you know yeah, like uh by buses by taxis like your own limousine if you want like literally that yeah that's the thing it's like people might want to call mexico third world like no it's absolutely not like yeah not third world yeah it's um you yeah it's it's got everything i find it's uh I find it has almost everything I could want in a country. I think it's uh What is that? Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of what I was saying before is like people, culture, music, food, price, the best things you need. Landscape, yeah. <laughs> beaches, um, like uh the contrast between everything. Yeah, I, I mean uh, for me a place just has to be well-rounded and I think Mexico almost has no place is more well-rounded uh than Mexico. And um, you have indigenous cultures. That's which true. Is sick, yeah, you know, a lot of history. Oaxaca, yeah, uh, Chiapas. Like, like the north is amazing too. Um, yeah, like the southern part where you go to like uh, like Yucatan and um, yeah, Yucatan, Yucatan, yeah, and the other states there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. A lot of um, like, yeah, Monterrey and uh, Monte- <laughs> um, yeah, just the north is really cool. Um, of course, you know. Tijuana and Baja California is nice. And There's a lot, a lot to see. Like um, Mexico City, obviously, without true. saying. You have to go to Mexico City. I mean, I feel like that's overlooked. I think a lot of tourists go to, when you hear Mexico, I feel like a lot of tourists go to Cancun and, uh, you know, uh, the resorts. But yeah, it's funny because when we travel, we were supposed to go, um, we were supposed to go like before COVID became a thing. We were supposed to travel to Mexico City for a day. You know, for like 17 hours yeah. on a layover and explore the city because we purposely, you know, want to book a 17 hour layover because we want to go out of the airport and we want to explore Mexico City. And, you know, I think like Mexico City, maybe not, maybe recently it's getting more popular, but I used to be very, you know, overlooked. Like people just look for Mexico for the beaches and that's it. But there's so much culture and things to be uh, hidden there. So I think you just named a bunch of different cities, but what are other cities that are places that people should visit in um, Mexico? um well there's there's like these old older cities um like uh i think it's pronounced like guanajuato guanajuato it's like close to mexico city right like a few hours away i think i think so it's like a nice um colorful city with uh you know just nice old architecture kind of spanish feeling and then you have i was told recently that mazatlan in Sinaloa is like really it's the place to be it's like it has some of the best beaches and it's also like the cheapest area or something it's like the cheapest uh beaches in Mexico or something um and then you know if you like some extra fun there's like a the mushroom uh, psychedelic mushroom capital <laughs> of the world is also Actually, in Mexico I did not know that yeah like, uh... it's called like um san francisco san francisco the something um yeah I'm what if it's just san it francisco what if it's not even in mexico it's been in san francisco this entire time in the United <laughs> States. yeah um i'm gonna look it up 
It's uh, called San Jose del Pacifico. Okay. Um, Where in the country is it? I think it's in Oaxaca. Yeah, it's in Oaxaca. And um, what's interesting about there is, is, for anyone listening, it's not something I'm I'm super into or that I'm like super obsessed over. I just think it's a cool place for some people to visit because um, psychedelic mushrooms are so like common there or something that like yeah and they're sold in every shop that like the police don't even they kind of just let it be and but there's a reason for that like um reason for what like the psychedelic mushrooms what do you mean like maybe it has to do with um like the native population oh yeah i I guess it it naturally grows there or something yeah i don't know and then it just became a tourist thing that like young hippies go there and because like you you know even like the natives like like you know, in like North America, you know, like to like they're the ones who I believe introduced tobacco. Yeah. You know, and then even you go to like, like other Latin American countries like Colombia, Peru. I believe like like cocoa leaves like are legal, even though in the United mm-hmm. States they're illegal because the natives mm-hmm. and like knows in their culture about using them. So maybe if we uh, do more research on these mushrooms, maybe there's something, you know, in the culture that that's there's a reason oh, why okay. they don't care. They're not uh, like they're decriminalized. Maybe. Yeah, it's. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's only in this specific city that it's uh, decriminalized, um, or that like I don't know if it, I guess it's still illegal, but the police don't bother people yeah, yeah. about it. Um, yeah. What else in Mexico? Say uh, um, other cities, like other places. Yeah, I don't know. It's like just. Um, I honestly, I would just suggest like going there booking a flight to mexico and just like uh you know once you're there it's like look at day trips let's say you fly to mexico city you know see everything see as much as you want to see spend however much time you want to spend there and then like start looking at trips like from there that you could do so maybe you're like do your research i i kind of like to do that i like to like go to a place and then start doing my research there it's like oh okay pueblo looks close uh, we'll do a trip there and then like, oh, you enjoy it, book yeah. a hostel or something. Keep some things um, like unexpected, like yeah. you don't have to plan everything ahead of time. Uh-huh. And then um, it's one of those places like, like I'm saying, if you're going to be going to hostels, you're going to be meeting other, you know, backpackers, yeah, travelers. True. And then it's like, they're going to be like, oh, we're going to this cool place tomorrow. You're going to want to join them. And then you could join them. And yeah, so Mexico is a place where I find if you're... Uh, you know, also, like, if you go with a friend, it's even better. Um, yeah, it's a place where you could definitely have an amazing time. And tell, um, like, like the story of, because you kind of brushed over it, but you didn't go into it. You said that you were in Tijuana when you were 15. Like, maybe, like, tell us about that or tell me about that story. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's too much to cover there um, in terms of details, but it's just See like... See what you want, yeah. Say what you want. It's just like when I was 15, I... I when I, whenever I went to summer camp, I, I was always looking for something different. I, I always wanted to go somewhere that, uh, with people I knew, of course, but somewhere that wasn't like all my classmates or all Montrealers or all people that I already knew. Um, I like to throw myself into like new environments. So for example, I, I went one summer to, uh, camp in Vermont 
and then the next summer I was like, okay, let's let's turn it up a notch. Let's do something more. Was too, uh, too more adventurous. Like, too North American for you, like <laughs> too, um, too too many familiar faces there. Not at all. It was it was like we had um we had a few Montrealers there, but we had like three three other Montrealers there, but it was too white for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> the thing is like saying. the thing is like um I joke, wanted yeah. something. I wanted something different i don't know it's just i've always been that way it was like that's the way i am with with a lot of countries too that i visit it's like when i visit a place um unless i really really love it i won't go back because like i'm more of a on to the next place kind of thing um so i just wanted a new adventure and i heard about people told me amazing things about this camp in um in in tijuana and you know it's close to um, I have a lot of family right across the border in San Diego. It's like that's very cool. I could you know see them on the on the weekends and stuff. And um, I thought it was a great opportunity. I I contacted my friend from LA. He was living in LA at the time. Like he still lives there. And I said, uh, Hey, you heard about this camp? It was like we we he's, decided to. Like, of course, we all heard about this camp. Come and on, guy, he actually, like... yeah, he heard about it because um, it's a Jewish camp. So you know the word goes around. Word spreads fast in the community. And uh, basically, yeah, we, we both decided we were down. He invited a few friends also. So I kind of hung out with uh, like an L.A. group over there. And yeah, it was just all North American, uh, maybe a few Australian and Brits here and there. But uh, yeah, it was like two weeks, uh, two months in Tijuana or six weeks, something like that. And... What was the difference between uh, Vermont? The difference, you know, in Vermont in this camp, because Vermont was probably, um, you know, in a like the woods, like it was in is in the the forest. It was like somewhere that was away from the city, but this camp was like in the city. That's like the difference, right? Yeah, it was literally in the city. Um, so the thing with Vermont, it was um, it was labeled as a survival camp. Was it a survival camp? Not really. I mean, we slept on like those. Um, those army bunk beds type of things like the cots i don't even know what they're called they're just like they're literally like paper thin like i don't know how to explain it um but they're not mattresses they're not bunk beds what are you Um, saying is that was basically like the hunger games this camp that's the joke yeah you're literally like (laughs) we're literally like um yeah i feel like there's no reason to get too into it but um yeah we did like shelter we did like sleeping in the woods some nights like make your own shelter type of thing bon- make yeah. your own bonfire he was getting prepared for tijuana basically yeah and then tijuana oh, joke, yeah and then tijuana was um yeah it was um it was interesting it, it was very similar to as crazy as the sounds it, it was a little bit similar to an american camp like a regular summer camp it was just that it was a fraction of the price so you're able to do way cooler things than you're able to do at um United States at a, an American or, or yeah. Canadian camp. Um, so it was like we did jet skiing, we did uh, you know paintball a few times. We did like you know trips. The cost is way cheaper, and you could do all these cool things. Um, Tijuana is like on the coast, by the way, like the uh, western. It's on the western coast. Yeah, so we went to yeah. We spent some time on the beach. We had like barbecues on the beach, um, and it was cool. From time to time, we would they would take us, you know do a little bit of uh deep dive into deep diving too into mexico okay i thought you meant like 
deep diving like deep diving <laughs> like, like we like, did yeah. uh ocean kayaking and okay, stuff that's pretty cool um yeah that was cool but it was like we would um we would go to like the the stores and stuff that locals would go to and um you know we would go do our laundry every week at like you know amongst <laughs> um other locals and yeah just like see how people live over there and you know it was everyone was nice everyone never felt in danger everyone was welcoming and always felt safe people were curious about us they want to talk to us you felt safe like the entire time yeah always always um never any bad incidents or anything like that people another all thing good, like all good memories from there yeah a hundred percent and um yeah and, and another just quick thing about mexican people is um that I think we share with um, with Jewish people that I like is uh, a good sense of humor. Is something that Mexican people really possess. I think it's something that um, I don't. I can't explain it. Maybe it's because you know Jewish people have had struggles in the past, and maybe uh, Mexican people today have certain struggles. Um, it a, a lot of ways to cope with these kind of things is through humor. Uh, so maybe that's uh, one possible explanation for that uh but another another thing that's nice is uh they tend to have conservative values and uh nice values that i appreciate too like uh, family values yep. and um that's a big one for sure in latin america like family values there's a it's a huge thing yeah and um you know they're they're uh oftentimes religious you know um you know they go to church a lot of people and it's uh it's something that's disappearing in this world and i think it's nice to see people that uh still hold on to religion and it plays a a nice role in their lives and and also their another big thing that i appreciate a lot is um is their humility very humble people and that's something that we lack not us maybe but um yep. something that especially europeans maybe lack that you know maybe maybe uh if you're looking like an american whatever uh you have like your your uh university of michigan sweater and your baseball cap and maybe they'll look at you look at you like uh like a peasant in europe or something but but in uh in mexico people have uh more respect and uh yeah i i think they just much yes. kind yeah just very nice people nice people, people that genuine. i respect uh and hardworking people too. Like uh, I, I can't say too many bad things about them. I I think, uh, like we were saying about yeah. India, is like you can't just be positive, positive, positive. Got to be real. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure. Of What's course, like there's the, issues. The with, of course, there's definitely issues with Mexico. Um, I think. You know, I I feel like I'm fortunate enough to never have found any problems. And, um, you know, they say if you look for problems, you'll find them. But I feel like in Mexico, let's be honest, maybe it's um, more on the unpredictable side. You don't, I don't know how the, you know, organized crime is obviously a big thing there. I've never seen it with my own eyes. But, of course, you know, you could uh, be in the wrong barrio, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time and get caught up in something. I, you know, thank God I've never experienced such a thing. But um, yeah, there are real dangers in Mexico. I wouldn't just be uh, hitchhiking and you know doing things like that, even though I'm sure it's possible. Uh, 
and I'm sure it's doable because, like I said, the Mexican people are very nice, very genuine, and always ready to help. That's true. But um, yeah, I there's definitely issues in the society there that uh, that you can't deny. There's definitely things that like happen and like like uh, you said, it's more predict unpredictable and. Mm-hmm. That's the truth is that even though like you were saying Tijuana, like, you know, you had a great time there, you know, like you can't, at the end of the day, like, it's not like these things, they still happen there, you know, like they're still recorded. So you can't just, you know, shove it under like the carpet and say, yeah, it's completely safe and there's no murders that happen there. And that's like, you know, it's not the, it's not the truth. There are things that do happen. Yeah. So I, I think what I want to tell people when I say that is that don't go there with the mindset that. If you see a certain murder rate, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say is that it's not it's not reflective of society there. It doesn't mean that, you know, no, that's what I'm trying to say is that no one in Mexico wants to mug you. Like, I'm not saying no Maybe one. They but do. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like um, people in these countries, they're going about their day to day just like you and I back in our home countries. They don't want to harm you. They don't want to do anything to you. Are there criminals? Yes. Like in every country, like in Canada, you could get mugged at night. In Mexico, you could get mugged at night. You have to be aware aware of these things anywhere you go. And with regards to murder rate, yeah, most of the time, it's maybe at night. It's... uh, you know, I don't even want to get it too into it, but, you know, shootouts between uh, gangs or whatever you want to call it, cartels. Yeah. Um, but that's what I'm trying to say is that it does not involve um, day-to-day people. You could you could spend two years and you could spend a year in Mexico and, and you know, never really run into issues. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's just something I had to clarify, but... I think it's one of those places where you could truly, it's like Brazil. It's like Brazil. You could go there and have the best time ever, you know, the funnest time. Um, and yeah, Mexico is probably safer than Brazil, but, but um, yeah, I, I don't believe in, I don't think you should be like too focused on, uh, on stereotypes and things like that is I think go there, make your own judgment. Um, it's a big I, country too. I always have felt safe anywhere I've gone in in Latin America, even yeah. Puerto Rico on paper. It's an extremely dangerous place. And from going there, I, I never felt unsafe. And, uh, you know, I even spoke with Puerto Ricans and they said, uh, like, wow, you went like deep into the middle of the island. It's like, that's where uh, all the crime is. Like, that's why we don't go there. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we felt uh, completely safe. Maybe it's just being oblivious maybe it's uh maybe it's a bad thing but i think if you go there with an open mind and an open heart to mexico you know mexico will treat you very 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 well 100%. and like all the um over here in our city everyone that's mexican that i've met have always been super friendly like i went hiking um you know up north and i met two people that they're talking spanish and i know a little bit of spanish myself i'm trying to learn after a puerto rico trip and I was talking to them kind of half French, half Spanish. And, you know, long convo, super friendly people that were traveling around Canada. Even, um, you know, I met people that 
um, around my neighborhood that were working for a company they were doing um, uh, lawn stuff, you know, for the grass. Like, like landscaping? Yeah, exactly, landscaping. Yeah. A typical, uh, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> typical Mexican job. That's a joke, by the way, for anyone listening to this. Uh, that's just my humor. Um, and the super nice people, I was talking to them, you know, like most Canadians or most people wouldn't really care to talk to them, but I went out and I heard them talking Spanish and I was asking them where they're from. They are talking to me. We were talking a convo. Even the next day, I saw them again. They, they're like, oh, like, guy, what's up? You know, they even told me, they, they pointed out to me before I even said hi to them because they remembered me. And uh, they're just super friendly people. And uh, I just want to say a few things too, just about my experience in Mexico. I've been there once on a, I'm not ashamed to say this, but like, you know, a, uh, a cruise stop for a day in Cozumel, which is not even mainland Mexico. It's an island. Um, it's like a pretty big island in the south part. And a lot of cruises stop there. But again, like that's just the only time I've been to Mexico. So you know, there's still so much left for me to, to see. And uh, my parents actually have been to Alcapoco. So Alcapoco uh, is a city that's s- southwestern. It's in the state of uh, Guerrero. I'm trying to say the Spanish accent, but it's not really going too well. Guerrero. Guerrero. It's like a, it's a double R, like Guerrero or something like that. But um it's a very dangerous state. Like if you travel to Mexico, they're going to say avoid the state at all costs, like a lot of gang activity there. So this city, Alcapoco, some context used to be uh, like, like uh, I wouldn't say Vegas, but it was a huge like resort town that everyone in the eighties, I think even, even like American that, celebrities and stuff yeah, were going there. Even Elvis Presley, I think has a song called Alcapoco, mm. um, like huge, um, maybe a different artist, but yeah, like a huge place. And you look at it today, it's like all run down, like drugs and, you know, cartels have taken over it. And like the murder rate there is like super high. And my, my parents recently, two, two or three years ago, went there with their, you know, a big group of people. So, you know, like maybe that's why nothing bad happened to them. Because, you know, if you're a big group of people, like a few couples and, you know, you're less likely anything bad will happen. So they went there a few people and they had a great time. They they were, you know, even on one night they were partying outside with other locals like you know kids they were out they went to clubs there and maybe because they were maybe like you know they could tell that they were from canada or united states or you know they tell that they're coming there as tourists or potential people that could be spending money and helping the economy so whenever they go out to clubs and stuff my dad's a funny story where they went to this club that was kind of like uh an, an 80s theme where it's it's like all the seats are on an incline so you have like the dance floor then you kind of walk up steps and then you have like tables at different levels and the guy that they met there, this guy, he looks, uh, you know, something's up with him. You know, you can tell maybe he's part of like a gang or something. You know, he owns the place and he leads the, my, their entire group of my parents and their friends. So the table at the top, 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 like best view of the entire, the entire club they led them to. They, you know, they made sure to pay this guy after what they owed because they didn't want them to, uh, to follow them back to their place that they were staying at. But it's just a funny story that, um, you know, my parents had in Acapulco. Yeah. So here's the thing about... I find about Acapulco and and these kind of areas is that when you're on the beach, that's what I want people to understand about Mexico. When you're on the beach, just chilling out, it's like you're not going to be seeing people um, getting mugged and, and, you know, other things getting harmed and crime right in front of your face. That's the thing. It's it's not in your face. It's... Um, it's away from the hotel areas. It's away from the tourist areas. They don't bother tourists. It's, it's, it has to do. It's not in their interest to bother tourists. You know, these are. This is organized crime. We're not talking about petty crime, um, in uh, Acapulco. You know, 
these murder rates, these things, I'm sorry, it's got very dark, but um, it's like it's tucked away in these different parts of the city. Um, so, yeah, if you if you take those parts, you know, those uh, I think it's like little mountainous parts of of the city uh, that have these bad areas and crime and all that. If you take that out of the equation, it's probably very, you know, regular place. Exactly. Not, you, you would walk around there not knowing uh, that anything bad happens there in that city. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mexico, uh, that's, it's an amazing country, I think, very much. got to go to. Yeah, very much worth visiting. And uh, somewhere worth visiting in depth, I think, like, you'll meet some of the nicest, friendliest people you'll ever meet in your life. Yep. And you'll have some of the best times, the best memories, and... Um, You'll see that the country is really not what uh, what the media makes it to be. It's totally different, and uh, yeah, it's it's really like no joke, the most beautiful place on earth, uh, with the nicest nicest culture. Like so many good things I could say about it. It's not just uh, resorts too that I want to put out there. You know, a lot of people you know I think it's just Mexico. Oh, resorts, Cancun. Or yeah. Like I forget the other. It's like uh, the other resort place on the uh, the other coast. Um, I forget the name of it, but maybe like Playa del Carmen. Or, that's or, a, that's um, the same coast as uh, Cancun. Uh, it's on like the other side. I forget, it's kind of bugging me right now. Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Puerto Vallarta. So, you know, that place. Like, also, it's known for resorts, but there's so much more in Mexico than just the resorts, which I want you guys or anyone listening to this, and also just us two in general, to to know. Mm-hmm. Um. So now I hope we could, you know, what hear about your third country. Okay. So. My third country, I was deciding between two because they're both there. And I love Latin America, like especially after traveling to the Puerto Rico. Even before that, I, say, I just I love Latin America. I think it's one of the most underrated places, you know, when it comes to traveling. Like, yes, you know, everyone's been to like everyone when they first travel, they go to Europe. Um, then maybe after that, they go to like Southeast Asia. You know, it's a very popular place for backpackers. Um, and then. I'd say like Central Asia for sure and is one of the most unvisited places. And I'd also say, you know, Africa is very unvisited too. You know, everyone goes to, if they go to Africa, they go to South Africa. Then they, you know, they say they've been to Africa when reality is that there's so much. Or Morocco. Yeah, or Morocco. There's so much more to see in Africa. Uh, you know, Sub-Saharan Africa, there's like so, it's probably one of the most unvisited places and so much to see. But it's, again, hard to uh, maybe get around there. It's unfortunately a lot um, much more underdeveloped. And there's like, you know, less known about it. And if you do want to go to Africa, you know, if you do want to have like Western standards in Africa, you have to pay a lot more because again, like, you know, there's less supply of those Western standards. So you just got to pay a lot more if you want them in Africa. Um, But again, I love Latin America place. I want to go to like for sure, just everywhere. Cause I think it's just, it's so different than, you know, like it's like that continent that's kind of hidden. It's like, you know, I think it's the only continent that doesn't have a direct flight to asia so that's something to keep in note too that's mean it's like i think the i think it's the least visited um um, continent so that's why like when i mean least visited i mean maybe from other continents like that's what i mean i have to look more in stats but again it's still hidden from you know the other the other continents and that's why i really like south america but i was choosing between two countries and i'm not choosing the one that's in south america but i'm going to mention it um there's a good reason why I'm choosing the other one because I'm going to go into detail about what I did there. 
so the one I want to choose in South America is Peru. You know, like Peru is just a country that is, is absolutely amazing. It's probably the most visited um, South American country, I think. I think it's the most visited one. It is, you know, a lot of tourists do go there. It's probably the most known one, you know, like the, the culture, the history, the, uh, the Inca empire there. It's just super, you know, popular. And I could probably go on forever about Peru because I want to, like every other country in the world, I want to travel there before. But the country I'm choosing now is Uganda. And maybe I think maybe you're surprised, maybe you're not. I was actually thinking about putting it on my list, but uh, that like I just because I know it has a special place in your heart, but yeah. I know that I know nothing about it and I have nothing that I could contribute to it. So I was like, maybe I won't put it on my list. I'll, you know, let you talk about it. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and just something um, about Peru is like, even though it is super visited, is like there's um, most of the country that people don't know about. And um, is there anywhere just like we could quickly go over this like real quick? Is Peru it's one like, of your countries? Uh, no, it's not one of my countries on the list, but it's like, um, is there a specific place in Peru that you find like intriguing or like outside of Machu Picchu and, um, uh, you know, the other Cusco, all those other places, is there somewhere that you're, uh, fixated on? Cause I kind of have a weird place that I don't yeah, even understand don't why, but I just have this one place where I would really like to visit. I mean, like you, you have Lima for sure. Like Lima is like a huge city. Like so, it's known for having some of the best food um, in the world. You know, you have the coast, and you just have like so many different cities there. And you can go to like the desert there, where you have like the. Um, it feels like you're in the Sahara Desert. This one place, like an oasis. You know, um, the Amazon, the Andes. Yeah, the, the... it's true. The Amazon. Like there's so much to do. Yeah, Iquitos. It's like the city in the the Amazon. There's so much to do in Peru and. Most people, you know, they just kind of go to like Cusco and that's it. But the reality is there's so much more to see in a Peru. Uh, I think also if it wasn't Peru, I'd say Colombia. Because, uh, you know, I think Colombia also has like some crazy cities that you can go to. But for me, yeah, it's Peru. But what's that place you want to visit? Yeah, Iquitos. Like, Iquitos? Okay, yeah. That was the place. It's just like in the Amazon. I, I just find it so interesting and so different, so unique. Um, yeah, from what I've seen, it, it kind of gives me um, Where did almost you see it? like... Well, I've heard about it first. I I mentioned this in another podcast, like from a Matthew McConaughey book. Okay. He mentions it. He he talks about it a bit. I'm not gonna get too into it, but um, and also yeah, I've seen a bit on YouTube too. But Kurt that Kass. wasn't yeah, that wasn't how I got turned on to the place. I already heard about it before and was interested in going there. But uh, there's something like really um like asian about it like just the way it looks the the food like the um, like the street vendors and yep. the uh tuk-tuks and all these things that, and the people look a little asian this is almost like a fun fact like i just say this because you know a lot of peruvians like some of them have japanese ancestry like yes one of like yes. the presidents of peru was also like a citizen um of japan or like you know and japan japanese ancestry so it's just something that's uh you know, worth noticing. Yeah. Um, the um, Peru has had uh, large amounts of, of Japanese immigrants. Um, yeah, Iquitos just looks sick. And it's also the, I also mentioned this before, is like in the other podcast, it's like the the most, what is it again? It's like the, the further, the biggest city that's inaccessible by car. 
Shit. That you're not able to drive that's, there. Yeah, you can true. only fly there. That's true. It's true. By boat. Or that. No. Yeah. I mean, you Maybe can't boats. take a boat from another city to there. There's no other cities that... Uh, it's just literally, I think, just by plane. Wonder, but I wonder how they bring in like all like the like the goods and everything like probably by plane. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Okay. Um, all right. So, the Uganda. Let's get into it. Um, Uganda. So, what connection do you have to Uganda? Yeah, that's what I want to know because it's kind of random. One. It's a big one. So, I actually have a lot of uh, well, a few Ugandan friends. So I was doing an internship part of the university I'm at this past winter where i was teaching uh i volunteered where i was teaching kids in uganda things such as uh, introduction to coding excel uh word well word was part of it and like just computers in general and it was all done virtually so all done virtually and i even had sometimes one-on-ones with some of the kids uh that i was teaching and i was talking with them and again i was with other interns so half the interns were from, you know, my university here in Montreal and the other half were from uh, their, you know, people, students in Uganda and, you know, their university students in Uganda. And, you know, I got to meet a lot of them. I spoke to them. I still talk to some of them now. And they've really like opened up my eyes to, you know, this country because it's very different hearing it on the news or hearing something when you look at it online. But then it's different when you actually speak to someone, you know like one-on-one with someone that lives in this country because you could hear it from their perspective. And Uganda is just like one of those countries that I really want to to visit. It's just so much history there. It's crazy, which I'll go into. Was there anything that, because um, you were able, you had this kind of opportunity that not many people have to be able to talk with people in this country one-on-one um, or in groups or whatever. Were there Were there some things that you learned from, from them about their culture or, or about their country that surprised you? I can say some cool facts, but I'm not sure about surprised. Uh, maybe the things that, I think just for Africa in general, a lot of people think that Africa is, you know, like like uh, very poor. Now, like it is definitely poor for sure, like many places, but there's still, there's still like school there. You know, there's still people that put in the effort. They still try hard and they're still... Not everyone is in mud huts. Exactly. Not everyone's in mud huts. And there's still, you know, cities. Like, you have the the capital of uh, Uganda, which is uh, Kampala. And there's some, like, startups that are there. Like, yes, it's not it's not huge. You know, it's a very few. But there's some innovation happening. And all these people that I became friends with uh, that were my age and university students, they were all in coding and all in computers. And they would be surprised at the amount of, you know, innovation and things that happen um you know in uganda for that like like you don't think that you know you think that everyone there people think of africa they think of like maybe the uh the, like maasai tribe and like kenya i think that's what it is but that's not like that's just you know one tribe that it's not all africa you know you have again these businesses you have people um you know coding and learning all these you know these technical trades like and it's just it's really interesting to to learn and explore yeah, I guess it's also cool to see that, you know, these people aren't uh, aren't all that different from us. Um so what what kind of things would you like to do and would you like to go there just because of this connection that you feel that you have to it or is there um are there some other reasons? Are there some other things that are attracting you to that country because sure there are there are other African countries that have more to offer let's be real 
Um, so what's which uh, ones? I don't know. I, I don't know too much about Africa, but I'm just off the top of my head. Uh, Kenya, so- South Africa, Ethiopia, Nigeria. It, I could go on and on. Maybe you'll be surprised once I tell you about Uganda. No, that's the thing. I, I, <laughs> joking. That's the thing. It's like people don't know about Uganda. It's like people will look right to other countries. Um, you know, if they're interested, you know, uh, Tanzania, all these places. So you tell me why why Uganda yep. besides the the given... Uh, connection that you have to the to the people there definitely meeting uh these people like biased like me it's creating bias for me but in a good way at least you know I'm, like i'm happy because it's showing me this country that is often uh, overlooked so just the context uh uganda used to be uh, like the dictatorship a long time ago i forget the guy's name adi amin i think his name was he was like the, the dictator and did some like very terrible things like very very terrible and Eventually, you know, I think, you know, revolution or he got kicked out. I forget exactly what happened, but it was it was very bad, like very, very bad leader. Um, like, a, again, a dictator. And since then, you know, I forget the year, but since then, you know, Uganda has been recovering and it's been getting better and better. And, you know, you see all these things that are happening, such as like the this volunteering program I was doing and all these people I'm meeting that, you know, they seem like they're living regular lives in Uganda and they're you know, in university and they're, you know, know how to code like amazingly, like, like there's, I mean, obviously they went to university for it. So they're, they're experts at it. And I think that Uganda just has a lot to offer. So the first off is that it's not as big compared to other African countries. Now it's like, um, don't get me wrong. It's huge because Africa, people don't realize that Africa is huge as a continent. Like if you actually put it to scale against Europe, like uh, people don't realize that, it's it's absolutely gigantic africa so even like a small country in africa is you know going to be bigger than like five times bigger than england like mm. the entire island of the united kingdom like even madagascar is like much much bigger than united kingdom mm. so africa is huge and uganda though relative to like the surrounding countries like you know kenya or south sudan or like tanzania it's like it's a bit smaller but again still big still obviously going to take you hours and hours to drive across it mm-hmm. But there's a lot to uh, offer. For example, Kampala is on the uh, the capital city. It's on Lake Victoria, which is so cool. Because, you know, Lake Victoria, I think it's like, you, we've heard of it from all movies. You know, it's like the most popular, one of the most popular lakes in all of Africa. It could be the biggest one. And it's, the city is literally on Lake Victoria. So you get to not only see the biggest city there, but you get to see, you know, Lake Victoria too. And, uh, you know, there's just, uh, as well as that, you have a lot of... Um, you know, nature, you have a lot of wildlife. If you go to Africa, you know, I feel like a lot of people when they go to Africa, they want to go just for like the safari and everything, but the nature, but I think there's still, you know, things to see in the villages and things to like, you know, with the people that you can meet and learn about the cultures and go to the cities. I think that's overlooked. Yeah. Are safaris an option though at all, or it's still a thing there? So safaris in uh, Uganda, I, I don't think they have like, like game reserves like they have in South Africa, like in, um, you know what the park is called again like the huge one you know the one i'm talking about like everyone goes to but i don't think they have that but they have they're known for having um um, um like uh monkeys like so my my um <laughs> one of my friends that my, one of my ugandan friends he's a photographer and when i first you know became friends with him like chimpanzees i mean yeah and he was showing me all the pictures he's taken of the wildlife and there's this one place in Uganda that he went to himself and 
it's like you walk you do like a jungle walk so you know you can't take cars because it's not like the savanna and you see like these like chimpanzees like in their natural like habitat and it's, it's super cool like it's amazing to see and not only if you could do that but from uganda because you're you're bordering um it borders the country republic of uh the Demi- Demi- democratic republic of congo you could also go to do um gorilla trekking tours so you could go do that and you could go see mountain gorillas silverback mountain gorillas uh that are you know super like rare to see um you know it's one of a kind thing that you could do beautiful animals and something that you know like it, it's expensive but it's so expensive because they use this money to protect the gorillas and their habitat and their habitat because you know it's always uh declining and it's just s- super cool like is uh drc where david cho went or is that a different yeah country? yeah yeah okay so it's a, it's a crazy place basically yeah you, you can't really access it it's like it's like you need the only way to get a visa is if you do like uh these like trekking tours and which you know it's like you're literally right at the border of it but you know like uganda was a country that even i think winston churchill or someone named like the pearl of africa just for how beautiful it was uganda yeah it's like it was known for having you know wildlife like even its flag the bird there's a bird on its flag it's like a gold something crane it's like a spread native bird to uganda it's just known for having some like the 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 best wildlife it again it's on a safari like you would in uh you know south africa or maybe kenya but Mm -hmm. or tanzania but again like it's just that hidden country and again you have the the lake victoria which is beautiful you have rivers that go through the entire country it's super green um it's one that 100 percent i i want to visit is it um an expensive country the cost i don't know too much but i can maybe put something to perspective so there's maybe some parts that are more touristy perhaps it would be because you know if there's limited let's say accommodations in an area that you want to go to because don't forget if you're going somewhere that's kind of secluded and not in a city and you want western standards you're gonna have to pay a higher price for that if you don't want to you know if you're not okay with Western standards, then maybe you could pay a less. Yeah, I, I feel like if you, this is just my impression of Africa. Like it, it might be totally wrong, but like you'll pay more than an average place in in North America, and you'll yeah. get less in return. That's exactly. From, that's been my impression. It's like uh, you don't. It's the opposite of bang for your buck. It's like exactly because people don't realize that you know if you want to if you're so used to western standards you know like if you want to be comfortable i mean not even anything fancy if you just want to be comfortable you chances are you're gonna have to pay you know like a, a lot more because yeah, it's premium. limited there mm-hmm. and uh but you know other things if you just want to go with the locals like take buses or you know stay at like local houses things that are not maybe out of your comfort but like really out of your comfort obviously maybe you could get local prices because you kind of think how do people live how do locals live in their own country? Obviously, there's ways to, to do things for cheap. But for an example is that I became friends with, again, uh, these Ugandan students that were around my age. And, you know, we're students. We're in university. Obviously, we're going to talk about alcohol and, you know, for sure. Beer. Yeah, you want to hear so, about the nightlife. and Yeah, the nightlife. And they tell me all about the nightlife, the clubs, the bars they go to. We, I learned about all the Ugandan beers. So there's one beer. It was kind of our inside joke. It's called uh, Engule. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one too that there's a few rivers that run through Uganda. One of them is called like White Water. I forget what it was called, but Ngule is one that you know it, it was our, our group chat name. We always spoke about it. Our inside joke was I'm gonna come to Uganda and try Ngule or Ngule mm-hmm. forever. And you know the beers are very cheap. Like you could get it for you know entire beer for like I think under a dollar. You know like and people don't know this, but I think Uganda. Um, 
I heard this from it was on a Vice video, but Uganda, I think they drink the most alcohol per like capita or something. Maybe this is not anymore, but again, it is Vice that shared it, so who knows if it was true or not? But yeah, you know that's why like people think Europe, you know, it's Europe, but Uganda, like they make their own alcohol there. Like they have their own beer. They have a lot. It's not just Angola. They have so many different. Uh, breweries there where they're making their own alcohol and people are always drinking it like their own uh, maybe moonshine in a way they've that's obviously made themselves but yeah they have a lot of breweries for uh for beer and um was the country colonized i i think i'm just trying to understand yeah, like um, by the british some of, okay maybe because some of these um african places with like major beer cultures like have you know i don't know german histories or things like yeah. that but okay that's interesting i think yeah i don't really know why it's like that but it makes sense it'd be british because winston churchill if said that quote uh -huh. about you know being the pearl of africa mm. uh, it would make sense yeah uh, that's interesting um okay so what kind of traveler do you think um would appreciate uganda you you mentioned for one um animal lovers or things like that what do you think is uh, yep. the ideal, what kind of traveler would appreciate Uganda? I feel like it's like uh, we're saying all this, but like we haven't been ourselves. So it's like, I know, like <laughs> what's the best way to go? But again, you guys no, haven't not, been myself. No, no, no. I'm, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just, I'm like, just joking. I mean, yeah. like what what kind of person would be yeah, yeah. attracted to, uh, sure. to a country like that? I'm just kidding. Yeah. So basically, I think someone, going to be real, I don't think Uganda's for everyone. It's definitely like one of those countries that it's not going to be at the top of your bucket list. It's probably not even going to be on your bucket list. Let's be real for those who are listening. Uh, you know, if you go to Africa, you're probably thinking of especially uh, sub-Saharan Africa, because in my opinion, like, you know, northern Africa is like completely different. So if you're looking at sub-Saharan, you're probably looking, let's be real, at uh, Ken uh, Kenya for sure. Like Kenya is the most popular one. Or you're looking at South Africa or like maybe Tanzania is like that third one. And Uganda, it's hidden. You know, it's like it's not by the um, by the coast. At least Tanzania, you're by the water. It's beautiful. South Africa too, um, but you know, Uganda, you're not by the water. It's an it's an inland country. So it's not one that people really have in mind. So if you you want to go to Uganda, I think you have to be someone that is, um, you know, you you want to actually go out of your way to go there. You know, that's what I think. It's the type of traveler that's going to go there. Someone who actually wants to go there just mm -hmm. because, you know, for Uganda. Right. Um, and you said that was your final, your final country, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we spoke about Peru because I think it was debating between both. But I think I just gained such a connection with these people from Uganda that and I think it's also a country that's more not like less known, I would say, um, you know, Peru, let's be real, like. Peru's super well known. It's super popular. Um, everyone knows about Peru, and uh, Uganda is a country that you don't hear too much about, not at all. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I never really considered going. I, I don't know if I <laughs> if I yeah, ever exactly. will go. <laughs> Where if you go to Africa, which countries would you go to? Um, Sub-Saharan. I don't really care for. I'm sorry, African listeners, but I, I I'm not so into Africa, but. Um, I guess Ethiopia, if I had to choose one place. Um, yeah, I don't even have anything to say about it. It's just, um, yeah, I'm not the biggest. Uh, I think I have many places that I would like to see first, such as, you know, Latin America and some parts of, uh, of uh, Asia and, you know, Central Asia, Southeast Asia, things like that. 
Um, so Africa is really not on my uh, on my radar right now. And hopefully in the future. Yeah, hopefully possibly. in the future. Yeah, yeah I think, possibly. I think a lot of people don't realize that Africa, like you're saying about hospitality and and being friendly. I don't think people realize that like people in Africa are super friendly. They're so like hospitable. They're super friendly. They're you know they're gonna come and sit and say hi to you. Like the the cultures there because a lot of people don't really know about like the history and culture. So you know people you know because maybe we're more familiar with it. We know what uh, you know the culture and is like the history for you know Mexico or other places like you know southeast asia but people don't know really anything about um you know uganda and like i was saying they have a huge culture there friend some of the friendliest people you know it's a country that if you go to like you know you're gonna dance like you know they love that and it's one that um i think for africa in general it's very underrated um yeah very underrated i think um i think just yeah i think there's just um you you just asked me about places in africa i'd like to visit i i just think there's uh so many turnoffs uh for the continent in general <laughs> just like uh how hard it is to get there how expensive it is to get there uh how expensive it is while you're there and uh, yeah i i think it, it's somewhere that i would like to explore and you know i i try to keep an open mind um but yeah i, I think i just have very different uh priorities and focuses right now in terms of place I want to visit, but yeah. Uganda definitely sounds very, very, very cool. Um, yeah, I think it it's sounds one that's great. underrated. That's why, like I was saying before, it's not going to be one that's at the top of your bucket list. Probably not going to be on your uh, bucket list at all, not at all on the bucket list, but it's one that I think is just worth talking about because I'm sure people listening to it and even you like don't know too much about it. And, you know, it's just again known for having nice rivers, like the like uh, the the greenery, the animals, and friendly people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think I'll go on to the final place. Yeah. Um, this is not a country. It's not a place. It's not a geographical location. It's um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's uh, it's it's an experience that I think it would be amazing to share. Um, and that would be the Trans-Siberian Railway. Um, just that experience. Also, I, I don't have any notes on it. I don't know. So basically, Russia. I, I don't know like anything about it. Um, no, I, I'm. So the thing is, like Mongolia, Russia, That's whatever. True, but yeah. it's like I don't. The the fact that it's in Russia is cool, but it's it's like um, yeah, just that that whole experience of. Uh, of being on like is it the longest train in the world or something probably like the yeah. longest train ride um yeah I, I think that would just be uh, a really cool place just to see go across uh, a country that you know westerners don't really visit besides uh saint petersburg and moscow and you know hopefully even go into mongolia and you know just uh i don't know it just seems like a really wild wild time just trans Siberia, like, but you would want to go to, well, it actually is like the longest train in the world, like, because it literally goes across Asia. Like if you're going across like Russia, you know, it's going to be like the longest train up in the world. And, you know, it could go all the way to like the very end of Russia, I believe, or, um, but like what stops on the way would you want to see? Like what intrigues you to go on it too? Um, I don't know if it's about the stops. I think it's more of a, um, it's almost like a challenge, um, in a sense, it's like, you're just putting yourself in this environment for I don't know how long it is, like a week or two. Could be it depends if you stop or not. Also. Okay, I see. And um, yeah, I just think 
it's uh it's an interesting way to see to see a country i think you know driving across russia is is not ideal and also this is uh it's definitely possible like a lot of people have done it in the past because you know what's that city do you know what the name of that city is in the far east of russia it's like near japan oh yeah i know the one you're uh, talking about it's like it's down south i'm gonna get the name of it for you yeah please um and in that city is like people used to drive all the way from the western part of russia to go there and like they would buy japanese cars or something because they were like really cheap or something and they would uh drive them back to to their hometowns it's called a uh, vladivostok oh vladivostok yeah vladivostok um yeah so that's another thing is like i could t- that's the thing i i don't I'm a big believer, like, I really like to just wing it and, um, you know, not have any expectations. And I think, you know, going on this train ride would be uh, would be a really, really interesting experience. You know, you maybe you'll meet some very cool people on the train ride um, and see things that you, you'd never expect to see. Trans-Siberia, too, like, just Siberia in general, it's just a place that is super you know like untouched super unknown it's like the wilderness it gets so colder during the winter too so i don't think you'd want to do this train ride during the winter but it's just so far like, people don't realize that like how f- long russia is it like i think it's like eight or nine different time zones like go across russia like it is it's absolutely huge like canada is huge and you know it takes you know i think like six hours to go from here to vancouver but you know russia is even longer than uh than canada and there's so much to see, I feel like, just along the way. And, like, it literally goes all the way. It literally goes from, you know, Europe, like, touching, um, you know, touching, like, Ukraine and, like, you know, Belarus. Going to touching, you know, like, you know, not too far from Iran, just having, like, Azerbaijan, you know, blocking, like, in, in between. Then going all the way, touching, like, not only Kazakhstan, the border of Kazakhstan, but then, like, Mongolia. Uh, and, you know, going all the way to China and even close to north korea like in japan like it's crazy how big it is yeah i think that's one of the things that also really um really appeals to me for for that trip is that like you're doing all in one trip you're you know let's say um i don't know you could make it like a really crazy trip and all in one it's like you start let's say let's say you fly to berlin or something you you have a good time in berlin you spend some time there and you make your way to moscow and then once you're there, it's like you're you're doing this all on the same trip. And then at the end of your trip, you'll be in like Shanghai yeah. or something. It's like Beijing, for me, like, yeah, be, yeah, Beijing. It's like just absolutely crazy, and and it's just like being able to incorporate that all in one trip without having to fly is like I don't know. I I just find it so so interesting. It's just I feel like just, it's it's just yeah, one of those yeah. like. It's it's might not be the most interesting thing in the world. It's just like for me one of those bucket list things that I would like to like to do in my life. Like um what would you want to do on the train? Would you want to go like all the way to like Vladivostok or would you want to stop at maybe go through Mongolia, go to China? Yeah, I'd like to do the Mongolia route. <laughs> yeah. That's so that's pretty cool too because then you could go to like, you know, literally go from Russia through Mongolia, which Mongolia like I feel like you know, we could also talk about because it's such an underrated country that's like i think with the least densely populated country in the world or one of them i think go from there you know all the way to like you know then you could go to china you end up in like um 
you know, Beijing, and it's just, it's super cool. And like, um, I'm gonna ask you a question about it. Like, um, what do you think? Like, how difficult or challenging do you think it would be? Like, what type of traveler do you think could should go on the Trans-Siberian Railway? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think you have to be someone that um, that likes to challenge yourself. Um, you're if you like, you, you also have to be someone who, who thinks outside the box because, um, you know, we want everything. We live in a society that everything, we want it now, you know. We, we don't care about the journey. We just, I want to get to that. I just want to get to my yeah. next place, you know. People just care about getting, like, yeah. they, care just want, they care only about point B and not the journey itself. Literally, like, you want to you wanna book your flight, you want to go, and you yeah. want to go to... Um, you want to go to, let's say, uh, Dubai, you know, you, I have no disrespect for people that want to go to Dubai, but it's like, you go there, you take your pictures, your Instagram pictures, you do your posts, you come back and you know, next week you're in LA. It's like, it's just, there's, um, if you're someone who cares about the journey, maybe you're someone who um, is outgoing, yet is able to take it easy at the same time, like, outgoing in the sense that maybe you want to meet and talk to some other people on the train uh, maybe you want to spend some time i you know there's nothing like traveling and being able to find the time to read a book or or watch some movies take or, things slow like yeah maybe some time it. to reflect um you know appreciate the uh differences in in culture um if you like things like uh, even like language barriers i find are are a cool thing when you travel um so being thrown into an area where no one speaks english like in in the middle of russia and that's a challenge and for i sure. think yeah it's a challenge and i think if you're also the kind of traveler that likes to uh go beyond the tourist areas and uh visit places that other people haven't seen before and, uh, you know, we have a whole big, beautiful world that, um, and a lot of people just focus on a few major cities. And if you like to go beyond that and have a great journey and, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's just, it could be a, a very nice time, very nice yep. experience potentially. hundred percent. Then would you ever see yourself like doing it in the future? Yeah. It's, it's not something I would do alone. That's for sure. Why not alone? Um, I I just don't see the point of it. I you want to share know. the memories with someone else? Yeah, I think so. And also, yeah, if if I do something alone, let's say if I do, I have in my mind potentially a trip alone to Ecuador. Um, I would be constantly like, kind of on the move all the time. That's the kind of trip I would like to do by myself. It's like um visiting different places constantly like um you know on the move kind of a backpacking kind of experience yeah. this is more sedentary um, true. like you know you know have like, someone to talk with it's like come on you can do that by yourself like on a train it's like you're stuck on the train you know, you know at least you're not off, yeah like, exactly it's like if you're doing let's say a trip around ecuador peru something like that you could do that solo because you're going to be meeting like all the time you'll be meeting different yeah. people like every day you'll be meeting like I wonder Tell though, you. like, you know, okay, obviously, given that there's no language barrier, given that there's no language barrier at all, because uh, that's going to be an effect for sure. Like, 
what if it'd be cool you go by yourself on the train and you end up like meeting people that you know because you're with them for like a long period of time you know it's like you're not rushing you know you're relaxing on the train because there's lots of hours between each stop and you end up just having these long deep relaxed combos with some interesting people compared to you know being in like a fast-paced environment where you meet someone for maybe an hour or two then you're gone and on to the next you see like the difference between it yeah but um i think even if you're yeah i i still would rather um share that experience with someone else you know like yeah i don't know what if you know you're in a yeah. yeah you're in a bunk you know the rooms have like bunk beds let's say or whatever maybe two beds three beds and you know rather be with someone you know than with other strangers um and you know even with you're with friends you could always separate for for an hour or two and talk with other people and yeah it's it's not an issue um yeah I, i think it's just like if you're trying to get from europe to asia it's like, yeah, I, I think that's maybe a better way of putting it. If I were to go from like Europe to Asia all in one trip and I wanted to make things a little more interesting, maybe this is a way I would do it. And and if friends are willing to join, that would be amazing. And I think that's really it that I have to say about the uh, Trans-Siberian Railway. Yeah, that's like that's entire, that's like entire experience. You're basically traveling all of Russia, especially depends where you start. Because, you know, if you do the one that goes from St. Petersburg, I think, yeah, you could definitely go from St. You could start off at St. Petersburg. You probably even start off, you know, like in like UK and take the train all the way to Russia. From Russia, go all the way across to uh, uh, Vladivostok. I think I'm pronouncing that right. So you just have like so much to see. You're essentially seeing all of Russia and parts that even Russians have, you know, like not even seen themselves. But then don't forget to, you also have like Southern Russia, which by Southern, I mean like the... uh, Chechnya and Dagestan. That's, that's actually like, the part of Russia that I'm most interested yeah, in, same. to be honest. Why the most interested? Um, I love the... I think the... It's not a big appeal, but like just the fact that it's like Muslim is, is kind of cool. It's like it's not like, wow, I, I love that it's Muslim. It's just like it's kind of interesting that they have their own religion, culture, language, yeah. all that. And also um, just the region is... Uh, the landscapes are just like so beautiful. Mountains um and yeah just like <laughs> i don't know just people seem yeah it seems really interesting russia like has a lot of um kind of sort of maybe india you could say like it's not to the the extent of india but russia it's not all slavic people like majority of it maybe 80 percent are like you know russian like eth- ethnically russian but then uh maybe 70s i don't know the exact number but then the rest you know are from people with different backgrounds like you have uh, like the Chechnyans, you have the Dagestan, but then you also have uh, people that are like more native. Like they're basically just part of, you know, like the Russian country, but they sort of act as their own country within. Uh, I'm trying to remember what these places are. Baldwin Bankrupt goes to them where, you know, the people look more native. Like they, they look completely different. And Yeah, like almost Inuit, Native American kind of looking. Like there's one, um, I forget what the, the specific name is, but there's one place. Um, it's like, you know, a lot of, it's like the only, I think, Buddhist, um, uh-huh. it's like state. I forget what it's called. What they call it in Russia, but it's like the only Buddhist uh, area. And um, yeah, and it's actually not even close to um, to the Far East. It's really interesting, Kal- Kalmykia. Yeah, Kalmykia. 
that's what I'm trying to. And it was actually uh, like Buddhists that were maybe exiled or something, or yeah, exactly. displaced from a different part of Asia or a different part of Russia, and were put into like the Caucasus area. So you have like a a Buddhist part of Russia. So Russia is um, much more interesting than than people think. And also, you have like um, I'm looking at looking at online. You have they're called the republics of Russia. So they're basically. Mm. Um, there's like different, uh, you know, in Russia, you have different like uh, cities, you have different, you know, kind of states or I'm not sure what they call them, but you also have different republics and these republics sort of act as their own like uh, country in a way. Like I think they still use the same currency, but they could have maybe different laws there. Yeah, and maybe the term that people here are familiar with is like semi-autonomous region. Sort of. Like, yeah, maybe semi-autonomous. And like they use that in China a lot. That's true. <laughs> is uh, Yeah, so maybe it's something to that extent. And each of them has like their own um, eth ethnicity, like their own major ethnicity. So again, like Dagestan and, and Chechnya, those are two, uh, like uh, Crimea, Crimea, Crimea. Crimea. And then also you have... Um, like but you that said, you can't really visit Crimea. Yeah, you can't visit. Then you have... Uh, Kamiki, which is name you have one that's called uh like tuva which is the one that's like very unknown and all each of them have their own you know ethnicity like their own group of people that um you know see and it's very overlooked especially in in russia and a lot of people don't know about this people think that russia is just all you know russian people and reality is that it's not you have all these different um ethnicities even though they're a minority they still live and exist in, in russia yeah, and, and that's kind of the cool thing also is like if you go to uh, Vladivostok, um, uh, it's supposed to be mostly Asian-looking people like based on its geography, but you'll see a lot of like blonde, blue eyes, people from like Western Russia just because, you know, people were really like put all over the place in Russia, kind of like exiled to different parts of the country. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering if... Um I kind of want to talk about because we're talking about the train so i kind of want to yeah, mention yeah, yeah. my um uh you know experience traveling in the caucuses mm. like maybe that would be cool yeah like former soviet union we're kind of on that yeah, vibe exactly. right now <laughs> like i don't want to maybe go to in the detail because i want to talk maybe another podcast like our previous travels um you know we could reminisce on um and just i could tell you about more about it but yeah i think maybe for the next previous travel um you know episode maybe you should focus on the ones that we both shared together because okay. you know if we both speak about our own independent that could just be uh yeah you know so much okay so I'll, I'll maybe i'll just i feel like maybe i could say maybe like one or two stories Same. and like um i mean when we talk i mean like next podcast i could say maybe one or two stories that are quick mm. um if they're not too long but this one because we're talking about trains like i want to mention it now so i think a lot of people know about armenia and azerbaijan uh, armenia and azerbaijan because uh, you know there's a conflict that recently happened like last summer and i visit these countries like before the conflict happened there's always a conflict between them there's they're, they're never friends like you can't travel i think from armenia to azerbaijan and vice versa but you know like i went there before this 2019 or was it 2020 i think before this 2020 conflict happened i was there in 2019 so this is like before it became like like you know spread you know before that no one really knew like that Armenia maybe was its own country except for maybe mm -hmm. Armenians and or people didn't know that Azerbaijan was even a country until you know it started showing up all over social media and I got to travel to them you know before this happened also Georgia which Georgia is like its own country uh, north of it it's also um, 
it feels very Russian there as well. Like literally walking around Georgia, I felt like, you know, I was in, I was in Russia, beautiful country. Even the new Fast and the Furious movie uh, is filmed in some part scenes of it are filmed in Tbilisi. Tbilisi, I think one of my favorite cities in the entire world, like, uh, I don't know, top five, top three, I can't think of it, but it's so hundred percent worth visiting. But I want to talk about a train story. Um, I think I've definitely told you about this when I was in Azerbaijan. So to go between, um, if you go to the Caucasus, you're going to go to all three countries. You're going to go to Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Georgia. Like you're there, you might as well go to all three. So to, to go between Azerbaijan and Armenia, you can't do that. You have to go between Georgia. Maybe there's a way where you could go between them, but you know, it's just, it's better off. You just go between Georgia. It's a lot easier. So you could go through, you know, we're talking about this, like you just hopping on buses and stuff and like India, but these countries too, you could, uh, it's the same thing. You just show up to a train station or like a metro station and you just say, Hey, is anyone driving us to Armenia or Azerbaijan? They'll be like, yeah, it's going to cost you this much. Just hop, bring your stuff, hop on, you know, it's not, it's very like unformal. It's more like on the spot. And that's what I like about these countries is that, you know, Europe, you like book everything like five weeks in advance when you want to go somewhere. And this just shows the difference in the, these other countries. And these countries also feel very European, even though they're kind of in Asia. Well, at least Georgia feels very European. Like it feels, like I said, Russian. Like, And the go between Georgia and Azerbaijan, you know, if you want to go to Baku, because Baku's pretty far, it's like all the way on the coast, it's easier just to take an overnight train. Hmm. So on the way back of this, uh, on this train, we'll... I'll start from the beginning. When we went on to Tbilisi, to Azerbaijan, to Baku, Baku's the capital of Azerbaijan, my friend and I, we got a private room, um, you know, because there's three different types. There's like the one where it's open and there's a bunch of bunk beds all open. And then you have the one where it's like semi-private, uh, which is like four people in a room. So it's two bunk beds. And then you have first class, which is, you know, just two single beds in your own room. And the first time, you know, it wasn't too pricey. It could have been like maybe like maybe a bit over like between 30 to 40 dollars canadian um which is all in us is probably like 30 bucks maybe so it's not like super pricey but again like it could have been so much cheaper if we went like you know in the space with everyone else but again you know it's our first time doing something like this so we just want to be safe and you know maybe jared if you're listening to this you know he's a bit more uh you know bougier so we're more on the fancy side so you know i we we settled at that uh, and it was just a really cool experience because these trains, they're from like the Soviet era. They're probably from like the seventies or eighties, like literally it's like probably hasn't been, uh, updated or, you know, made, like, uh, uh, like renovated since like you could tell right away. They're like, there's no plug outlets in the rooms. You got to go outside the room to plug your phone and everything. The AC only works, uh, when the train's moving. So when it stops at night, like it gets so hot, fucking hot in there. Like, you know, it's like a fucking boiler room in there. It's so hot, and we're all just waiting for it to keep on moving. Our, um, uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan, that area, is it considered a really hot place? Or a spe- it's just like a... I think it was the, the summer, summer. Okay. yeah. I mean, it, could, it obviously could get hot, like maybe Armenia, but... Like, Hotter than summer in Canada, let's say? Probably around the same. But like, you know, it's... Like it's... um. No AC is no AC. Yeah, exactly. No AC, like you're... It's, maybe... It also don't feel like maybe in the morning too i don't know it's just no ac it's super hot in there you get you know you're two people in a room you could be four like it gets hot fast you know the windows i don't think even open because they don't want people you know like maybe putting things through the window maybe mm-hmm. for drugs or things like that so the windows don't open so if the ac gets cut off in the night like or something something happens they see like you know someone puts carbon monoxide in it without you noticing like you're dead there's no way where you're surviving that 
and even you go to like the um, the bathroom on this train and everything is in russian like mm. all like the signs like everything's in russian the toilet is like fully made out of metal like it's so old the sink barely works there's no toilet paper nothing like you got to bring everything yourself no food on the train uh, there's only really tea that you can get and the people that like don't that work on the train they don't speak any english like you, they kind of just maybe they get a bit frustrated because i don't understand what they're telling me but you know at the end of the day you know just they give you your sheets you make you know it's nothing fancy even first class you're still making your own bed like you know it's really uh soviet but uh, i just want to say the story of on my way back so on the way back we had to come back a specific day because our flights were booked and we wanted to go to Armenia. So we just had to come back, uh, go back to Georgia this day. And um, my friend and I, Jared, we went to go get tickets for the train right away, but they only had one spot left in first class. And don't forget to like girls and guys like, you know, doesn't really um, matter. Like he ended up getting that one first class ticket and I ended up going to second class with the two bunk beds. And he even ended up, I think, sharing like a, a room with like, you know, like a Georgian or a Russian girl or something. Um, and it's just, you know, like they don't ask like, or, you know, there's no like co-ed. I mean, there's no like, oh, just women or just men. Like they don't care. You know, it's just like, okay, you got this one bed in this room. Like, doesn't matter if the person's like, you know, if you're a 20 year old guy, or, you know, it's like, you know, you're a girl. They don't care. Like it just, it's, it's free for all. They don't care if there's like an 80 year old like grandma on there and like a 12 year old guy. Like if you get that ticket, like you're going in that room. There's no, um, like it's, there's no, like, uh, I'm not, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Uh, I, I'm looking for the word, but I can't seem to find it. It's not formal. Maybe that's it. There's not too many rules for that, but basically I ended up going in this room on the train, the two bunk beds. So it's four people I ended up meeting Azerbaijan locals. And one of them knew English, at least very, uh, seemed like a very smart guy. And, you know, I ended up talking with this guy the entire night. Now, if, just for, you know, like we're, we're Jewish and, you know, we grow up like learning about the uh, Judaism and everything. And we don't really learn about maybe Christian Christianity because, you know, we're living in Montreal. It's a Christian majority country, even though it's I find it's pretty atheist. Like today, you know, religion is not a huge thing, in my opinion, in Canada. But even in Jewish school, by the way, we, we learn a little bit about yeah. like Christian history, like okay. a little bit. But yeah, that's true. That's um, true. Yeah. But nothing really about Islam. Like we're more exposed to obviously Christianity and, and over here. So, you know, Azerbaijan there, it's a Muslim country. So Armenia and Georgia are Christian and Azerbaijan is majority Muslim, but they're very secular though. Like you don't really see many people wearing girls wearing headscarves. Like it's a very, maybe because it used to be part of the Soviet Union, maybe that makes sense. Oh, all these countries are part of the Soviet Union, by the way, these three countries, which is worth noticing, uh, worth mentioning, I mean, but you know, a lot of these people uh, in Azerbaijan, they're it's very secular. It's one of the most secular, I think, Muslim majority countries. And I was talking with these three people on the train and here I am like a 21 year old, 21 or 22, a 21 year old. And these guys, you know, they're much older. They could be in their 40s, 50s even. Some of them, two of them had gray hair. Uh, like the guy, that, one of the guys I was talking to, you know, the one that knew English was a father. Uh, and he was telling me all about it. And I was talking to him the entire night. And I learned so much about uh, his, like their culture, you know. And it's talking the entire night, showing them pictures of Canada, of like the snow and everything. Um, he's telling me how he's meeting his family after in Turkey. And they're going like away or they're maybe going to Europe. I forget where he was going. Um funny story he actually recently commented on one of my pictures on instagram like two years later after after we met while we met on that same night i told him here's my insta add me and only two years later he actually reaches out and just comments something a picture i posted in azerbaijan and he just put like something saying 
good good man or something like that like you know respect um and it was so interesting talking to this guy learning about you know the muslim uh you know the religion the quran because i was never really exposed to it and this guy was telling me like everything about it and i gained such like a respect and knowledge for islam on a whole new level like it was it was crazy what he was he was telling me and it's like i'm never gonna forget this train ride in my life it was just it was one of those nights that i've had and I remember we're all sitting down. The other two guys didn't know English. We're all sitting down and they they get tea. They talk to like the stewardess on the train to get tea. And the, the things in Azerbaijan are pretty cheap. You know, like you could get like a pizza. You could get a meal for like $3 Canadian, which is, you know, like maybe $3, $4 Canadian, which is like, you know, 3 or $2 US. And they get some tea because that's the only thing they have on the train. They don't have any food. They don't have water. They only have tea. So we get tea and it's something very small, but I appreciated it. You have to give the person a tip, you know, like they come to bring you to the stewardess, you give them a small tip, you give them like a few uh, Azerbaijan manat and that's the currency, it's called the manat and that's it. And I remember putting like saying, I'm going to put down like a, like one, one manat or like one or two. And the guy says, no, 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 like you're not putting it down. Like you're not, you know, hmm. he's like, he's like, we're doing it. And it was like a sign of hospitality that I, I like, even though it was like, you know, it's worth nothing that it's like less than maybe like, uh, like less, probably less than a dollar. Like one minute, I think it's like 0 0.75 cents Canadian. Still like the fact that he said, no, like we're doing this. Like he said, like you're a guest, like, you know, you're from Canada. Like we're, you're with us tonight. Like it was like a huge sign of hospitality and it's something I'm never like going to forget. Like this trainer ride is one of those things that like changed my mind on, you know, like, Especially, uh, will not change my mind, but just showed me about you know the Islam, um, you know, showed me about the culture and hospitality that people have, and it's just it's it, it was crazy. Like it was such an unforgettable night. It's like something that you've never uh, you've never experienced before. Exactly. Like it was uh, it was like hospitality, but and whatever you want to call it, maybe kindness, maybe yeah, maybe hospitality is the better word for it. But it's like that you've never witnessed yeah. before. And like, don't forget too, these were all strangers I never met before. And I was sleeping in the same cabin as them. Like I was really at the top bunk and you know, there's three guys, like older guys I never met before. And like the reality is that when I went on this train, I didn't have any data, by the way, I didn't have service. So even if I want to message my friend that something was up, cause he was in a few carts down, he wouldn't know. And I didn't even, I didn't, he didn't know which cart I was in. I didn't know which cart he was in. We didn't see each other for the entire night. We did not see each other. And you know, I, I didn't tell my parents about this because, you know, they'd be a bit freaked out if I tell them, look, I'm in a room sleeping with three like older guys and I, I just met, you know, in a bunk bed. They'd be you know, a bit worried, which I don't blame them. Yeah. But it was crazy. Just, you know, like a wonderful experience uh, doing this. Um, other than the hospitality aspect, was there something that you learned about Islam or um, their culture that you... Uh that you thought was really nice or that, yeah. that stuck with you? I think hospitality is part of the religion. So he was saying like, you know, in like the religion, everything is like you treat everyone like, um, like, like a guest, you know, it's like you meet someone, not a guest, but like you, you meet someone new, you know, you, you don't, you treat them with respect because it's like, I think, a guest is someone is could be like a messenger. I don't want to say anything wrong. That's, uh -huh. that's another thing too. I don't want to say anything wrong. Cause um, you know, just in case, but maybe, you know, like it's something from, from what you understand. Yeah. Maybe something from, from God. Maybe it's like, you know, you, like you never judge anyone, um, you know, something, there's always something to, um, or like, you know, you be good to other people, especially the guests, then something good will happen to you maybe. 
but obviously it's kind of the kindness of your heart that you be nice as well and to guests and i think it's something around the middle east like i don't think people realize that like even though i haven't really explored the middle east that much like muslim majority countries are some of the most like hospitable countries towards you know tours like those are the type of countries that if you go around and you tell them like you know you don't have any money on you and that you're hungry and you're from a different country right away you'll have people give you mm -hmm, food like mm -hmm. there's no other countries like that like yeah, that's true and even like uh, places like maybe pakistan um i don't know maybe turkey iraq i don't know yeah iran just throwing like, out um, random names it's like people that may not even have much will be more than willing to like give you food uh something to drink uh you know you, oh you need a, a couch to sleep on it's like exactly i don't know it, it's uh it's different. It's uh, yep. something that we're not used to. I also mentioned this in the in the uh, first episode with uh, with Matan that you know we just we don't trust people here. It's like we have too many bad stories on the news. We yep. don't want to be another story on the news. Uh, we don't want to be another statistic. You know, we feel like everyone here that um, comes up to you first mm -hmm. wants to is wants something from you. That's mm -hmm. the thing, but. I think in a lot of these countries where they're hospitable, they might not come up to you first though, you know, like they might, they're not going to come to you and say, oh, hey, you want food? You're probably going to have to go up to them and tell them, oh, you're a tourist, you're not from here. And then they're going to be open. They're going to start talking. So maybe, you know, even when traveling, I'm going to be real, like if someone comes up to you first, you know, even if I'm with Southeast Asia, even no matter where I'm at, I'm always going to have like back my mind, okay, I think this guy wants something. And yeah. I think that's maybe sort of normal. Like even here, yeah. someone comes up to me first, but if you go up to, let's say, someone here, the reality is that you're the first one. They're probably, a good chance they're not going to care. They might ignore you. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that for everyone, but they might not care. They're going to be, like, they're busy. You know, everyone yeah. in a city, you got to work. But if you go up to someone yeah. in, uh, you know, Muslim-majority country, and you tell them you're not from here, like, you're a tourist, you're a guest, and I guarantee every single one, every single person is going to be um, welcoming, is going to want to meet you, going to want to talk to you and learn about you. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like... Being someone from the city is like one of our biggest strengths is like just ignoring the ability people. to ignore, ignore people. Yeah. It's like just it, pretending that people don't exist. It's like yep. someone tells you something and you're not interested. It's just like you walked right past them and it's like, don't bother me. Look down on your phone. It's like that's that's just how we roll. It's like everyone's out for themselves. And if you want something from me, it's like, what do you want? It's like you probably want to, I don't know totally different so i guess uh i don't i don't know if that would fly in in muslim countries it's different in i'll say rural areas for sure like uh -huh, you know maybe uh -huh. if you go to rural areas in canada or like you know other um like yeah. other parts of the world then you know people will be like you know if you go to if you're in like even columbia like medellin and then you go to you know, like a rural village in columbia obviously the village is going to be much more you know welcoming compared to the people in the city so it's just mm -hmm. it's worth mentioning as well that's true um I think we're done with that part of the world. I just want to uh, maybe wrap it up and and throw in an honorable mention real quick. Uh, somewhere that you and I, I think, would be amazing if we both went would be uh, New York City. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. that's uh, very close to my heart, somewhere that I enjoy going. I feel like it's uh, one of the few places in the world that I could go back a thousand times and not get tired of it. No city like New York. No, and uh, yeah, I think it's just um, you could you could visit a different neighborhood every time, have a different experience, and and uh, yeah, also just a whole whole lot of fun.
probably like the most diversity. You could go to so many different neighborhoods with so many different, um, you know, communities. Like even I was in, when I was in Georgia, I spoke to a guy there, like a Georgian guy, and he was telling me that, you know, there's a Georgian community in, in New York. And Georgia's a super small country. It's only like 3.9 or like 3 point something million people. And the fact that like New York even has like a Georgian community, you know, like it shows that there's, it's like, it's a city with like every other country in the world has like their small community in New York. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. It's like, um, it's the city that's maybe the most, um, well, I don't even know what's the word, like representative. Yeah. It's like, it has the world in, in one city. It's, I mean, it's a city of like, you know, like immigrants, essentially. It's like what it started off as. Um, people immigrating City of, there. Uh, risk takers, yeah, risk go-getters. Takers. It's also where, like, you know, the United Nations is the headquarters. So it makes sense, like, why you would have so many people there from different countries. Like every every country in the like the world definitely has like a a, a community there. Like you know, people yeah. that live there. And there's um there's just a an energy in New York that that it it like goes within you when you're there it's like yeah you don't want to go to new york and just lay around it's like you just want to do things and and uh it's yeah, not just manhattan new york too there's so much more to it 100 percent. yeah there's different parts of brooklyn you could explore it's, um yeah it's, it's just endless if and again there's there's something for everyone um uh, yeah, I, I guess that's it. I, we could discuss New York more in, a, in another uh, episode, time. Yeah. Uh, maybe if we end up going there one day, we'll like together, we'll yeah. talk about our trip. I hope we go. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think we should kind of wrap this up. We wanted initially to uh, to discuss some of our of our memories from our past travels together, but you know, it's been over three over hours. three hours, and you know, it's getting late here. It's so. You know, actually, that was the portion of this uh, of this episode that, or not this episode, but it was the portion that I had the most notes on. And so I'm surprised that with no notes that we were able to have a long conversation. I had like no notes on the countries, but um, yeah, we were able to have such a nice and long conversation. So I'm sure the next one is going to be even better. even better. Yeah, um, because I have yeah I have some really interesting stories and. Not, not even stories like some of them are stories but just like nice things to to talk <clears throat> yeah at the to time that about. we almost like fell off a cliff and died that's a joke by the way that never actually happened <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the time we almost got shot in the favela in rio yeah but that uh, never happened by the way that's a joke too just like um yeah i think now this episode was a very um information heavy yep. and fact based episode um which you know of course i like but um, I think next episode is going to be even better because it's going to bring out a lot of uh, emotion from both of us and, and great memories, great laughs. Yeah, you might cry a little bit. Yeah, I might cry a little bit or a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that we had this episode today. And, and uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next yeah. one. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no I appreciate worries. It. Um, all right, everyone. Adios. Goodbye. Adios, amigos.